this temple crew has a plan And they begin by digging into those two scoops In every Kellogg's pack Two scoops or Keep them coming back for two, two scoops Of plump juicy raisins in Kellogg's Raisin Bran Hooked up and in command They're working now, but they're thinking how they lost And Golden Blake's a brand They're turning back again for two scoops Of plump juicy raisins in Kellogg's Raisin Bran Welcome to the sixth proper episode, 10th overall of Two Scoops, the podcast of, I would say, about 306 to 232% effort, and perhaps more importantly for this edition, a show that's hinged itself on joking about bizarre, grotesque media shaping and breaking the bone in our brain that keeps us human. Now, you know why we go through the trouble. My name is Jordan Breen, and along with me, as always, the esteemed steward at the intersection point between lowbrow culture and high-stakes politics, it's David Bixenspan. Bix, as we record this, the dust from the American election is still settling, and yet, with Donald Trump being elected the 45th eventual president of the United States of America, I think it's only fit to talk about how, especially in a, a realm like this, we've got, you, you cover politics, I've got political insights as a non-American, but... This is about media, and maybe more so than any other political election, hopefully, fingers crossed, going into the future. This is one that we can look back on and look at the role in which lowbrow culture and exactly the kind of media that we typically thrive on created and emboldened an absolutely ghoulish demagogue. I'm going to be honest. I thought you were going to say something like, the Donald Trump victory cake to my Jacob Javits Center or something. <laughs> well, it's a shame that at this point in time, the Trump cake has not been rediscovered. I feel like in future, um, hopefully a story about the Trump cake comes out. We get pictures, we get videos of people eating it. I was sincerely hoping that right off the bat, we would get a celebratory image of the Donald chowing into his own brains, which were, I mean, how would you even describe the face of the Donald Trump cake? It actually looked weirdly tasty. Um, it looked well. What you you were kind of saying to me is that like it's why would you make a three dimensional cake of Donald Trump's head since he's like got this thing where he's got like the high cheekbones and stuff, but he's also I think in your word jowly. Yes, he is. He is. He is the way I would sort of size it up. People love to make fun oh, of the I... way. No, it's the. On the episode of The Simpsons where Lisa goes to the caricature artist, <laughs> this is that, but as a cake of Donald Trump. I mean, there's a lot to be said for, I mean, like The Simpsons type thing. If you're already kind of a strange looking character, if you have certain sets of, of traits and then your genetics go against them, you're not going to be looking good. And as, as we discussed uh, previously, Donald Trump was not always this – haunted, ghoulish-looking jack-o'-lantern figure that he's become. It's the intersection of the high cheekbones with maybe a genetic predisposition to jowliness, or maybe the fact that his diet consists largely of fast food. On top of that, he's always had small, pigeon-like eyes, but that didn't really affect his face until he started getting a goggle tan around them that looks like a perpetual pair of albino sunglasses and then had an absolutely insane mystic tan sort of thing going around it his hairstyle in the 80s it didn't look insane because everyone kind of had a slightly overgrown side swept comb over but now that his hair is thinned and become much lighter he looks positively insane he really is the the confluence of 
when your genetic best and genetic worst meet headlong with your poor life choices. That's interesting phrasing. <laughs> so this isn't just about making fun of his face, though, Bix, although it's, it's maybe more than anything, it's about sanctifying and deifying this horrific face. It's they just amplified all of the wor- all of the theoretically negative or more pronounced features of his face in cake form. <laughs> At least it's tasty, theoretically. Well, yeah, but it's why would you even make a three dimensional fi- head cake anyway? <laughs> that's what that's what I don't understand. Like, why isn't this just a sheet cake with the with the photo on it? Well, I think that's a perfect segue to what we're getting into. I don't know narcissism sociopathy insanity well you know what here's something which i i felt like he might have deliberately gone with the less opulent festivities last night because he's like in a hotel ballroom at the hilton somewhere in manhattan with a cash bar yeah, and he'll—oh, I didn't hear about that. I mean, if there's anything that lets you know that maybe the Trump crew didn't necessarily think they were going to win, they had a cash bar. If you're, if, you're planning, if you're planning on setting off confetti guns and talking about making America great again, you're dead certain this is a lock. Probably not having the cash bar. Then again, maybe it says something about fiscal responsibility. Yeah, this is not Henner Gracie's wedding. <laughs> that's, a, that's, a, that's a nice MMA stitch, and I like that. It's also a pro wrestling stitch in. I guess, yeah, I suppose that's true as well. And as we know in pro wrestling, weddings always sell. Yeah. So speaking of selling things in weddings, what a perfect segue. Donald Trump, knowing plenty about both of them. So like I said, Bix, we're, you know, even if politically interested and have thoughts of our own, this is not a podcast to get into the X's and O's and minutia and percentages of, you know, how Hillary Clinton failed to uh, live up to the level of Obama in certain categories and demographics and places or the surprises of Donald Trump in particular states. This is... This is about a media climate for several decades in which Jordan. Hello. Yes, you never let me finish my thought about the that he goes for the, with the ballroom and she's at the Javits Center and then she loses and she had the fireworks she didn't plan and the whole point was that she had this whole thing where it's like the Javits the Javits Center has a glass ceiling so it's like her whole thing was I may not be <laughs> under a glass ceiling after tonight. <laughs> And he's just like he's just chilling in a hotel ballroom. Well, that's I think that's a perfect sort of metaphor too, because Hillary's campaign is something that relied highly on co-opted symbology and the right phrases. Whereas, as we'll illustrate, Donald Trump had decades of cultivating maybe not the kind of star that you want to see, maybe the one that's going to crash into your world and burn it up, but ultimately a legitimate kind of star power that you can't possibly drum up by, you know, talking about how you got hot sauce in your purse and whipping and nay-naying. By the way, we should point out, I mean, we'll get to housekeeping in a few minutes, but as you probably noticed, the show is late. Jordan had to move. I had to cover the election. It was complicated and uh in case we have any weird audio hiccups or anything we had to record the show on zencaster because the internet in jordan's new apartment is uh 
terrible? Well, here's the thing. It's it's not terrible for your lay person, and this is how they get away with it. If you're ever if you're ever in, I can't say a big city because you know I've I've lived only in Toronto and well I guess I've I lived in Colorado too. Although the internet in Colorado sucked too when I when I lived in Denver in the springs. So who knows? Maybe it's a big city thing. Latency ends up being a huge issue, and it's not a big deal if you're getting on there to do fantasy sports or check your email or go through YouTube. But if you want to sit down and record something. It's a few hours long. Make sure the audio sounds good. That's where it comes into play. Unfortunately, that's exactly the racket I'm in. And um, literally every single apartment I've moved in. This is my fourth apartment in Toronto in uh, three years, just over four years, I guess. Um, and every single time it's the same. I get in and landlords are like, oh, unlimited internet. It's all good. It's included. And then I use it, and it's fine to do all of the perfunctory functions that I just mentioned. Then I sit down to record something. You get six, seven minutes of great audio. And then, as you so beautifully pointed out, I turn into Max Headroom. This is this is not a new thing. So fingers crossed that uh, I can get some internet upgradage in my new place that works swimmingly and addresses the problems that, you know, similarly to, to the way I have in the past. But it is one of those things that just in this city, especially like if you're not living in like a brand new condo, if you're someone that wants to live like downtown, a historic building or live somewhere like Kensington Market or Little Italy or whatever the case is, you're dealing with like old buildings that have been retrofitted for this kind of stuff. And it just it just doesn't play well. You know, you end up with like these long hallway apartments where like you got like 16 extenders in every corner of the apartment trying to make sure that everyone gets internet and it just turns into an absolute nightmare so let let it let it be said that just don't don't have big city dreams kids stay in the suburbs stay safe at least if you want to record things stably over skype all the time i was actually shocked that zencaster ended up working as well as it is so far hey man fingers crossed knock on wood shouts to the homies at zencaster but with that, I think we may want to get to some housekeeping. Let's bust out the broom. First of all, as Bix mentioned, early housekeeping. Apologies for the lateness of these kinds of things. Second, oh, of, this- <laughs> second of all, shouts to all the new Patreon folks. Shouts to Ian Carrington, Carmen, Tim Brick, Will Crosby, Stephen, Edward Jordan, all these fine folks who threw down the $5 getting in on that Patreon game. And also remember that you can always get that $1 in, get access to the Two Scoops Pod Slack account as well. Throw us some show ideas, entertain us with media, make fun of me for taking a vacation week off from work to ultimately uh, move and then have repeated anxiety attacks and existential angst about the state of uh, internet in the big city here. So um, that's always an option. That said, patreon.com slash two scoops. You know where to get it, and even if on a week like this where much is going on and uh, much upheaval is happening on several levels, you're always going to get that extra show. We always got you covered. So Patreon. if you want that extra two scoops, if you want four scoops a week, patreon.com slash two scoops. Bix, tell the folks how they can help us out on Amazon. I'm starting to think we have more of a delay than we realize, by the way. Maybe. Or, um, you know what? No, it's probably not a delay. It's probably more of, like, the Zencaster doesn't necessarily has, have as much, like, two people. Like, a Skype, you can't really have two people talk at the same time, but you can. Mm-hmm. there are ways to get around it. On Zencaster, it's starting to seem like you really can. So if Jordan's on a roll, I, it appears I can't jump in. I mean, does that... 
How, like, were you hearing me? Or well, it does. I, I do. I do think that uh, that that is what's happening. But you'll notice that ZenCaster has a very handy raise your hand button in case you need to cut me off. <laughs> okay, wait a second. Let me see this. Um, where is raise my hand? Where am I looking? Uh, well, I don't know. Like, maybe, maybe I don't get the raise your hand because you started the oh, thing. Uh, yes. Can you see me flashing my hand? Yes, I can, Jordan Breen. <laughs> see, Zencaster's a marvelous thing. Yeah. Okay. So, patreon.com slash two scoops. That's patreon.com slash T W O scoops. As Jordan said, if you want to support us using our Amazon referral link, is time for the holiday season christmas hanukkah kwanzaa um winter solstice am i forgetting anything uh i think we got the major ones covered and if we forgot one heaven forbid you're you're in our hearts and our minds we're just not immediately springing to them if you buy presents for thanksgiving itself for some reason yeah if you're real bougie so that is tinyurl.com slash two scoops Amazon. Tinyurl.com slash two scoops Amazon. You don't pay anything extra. You go there. It redirects you to Amazon, but using our referral code, add your stuff to your cart. Check out. We get a little kickback from Amazon as a thank you for directing your business there. Again, tinyurl.com slash two scoops Amazon. Or if you want to support us more directly, get the extra shows patreon.com slash t-w-o scoops got the rss feed got the itunes where else we up google play yeah i mean we're pretty much everywhere everywhere that you want to hear podcasts if it's not in the directory of whatever app you're using for some reason uh that would be excuse me you would go to feeds.feedburner.com slash t-w-o scoops would be the rss feed that you put into your app and I think that's it. We haven't figured out what we're doing for the Patreon show. Again, that one might be a little late this week just because of all of the various issues that we're having. But hang tight. It'll be there. They're trying to break our scoops, but they can't break our will. I'm a father for Johnson and Jimmy spraying faces. Any cow that is sacred will get to face it. Like any time a murder gets replaced, face it. The fellows at the top are likely rapists. But you like mellow out, man, just relax. It's really not that complicated. Well, part of me, I guess I'm just as sane as you explain it. Or maybe and just remember, even if your will does feel broken, something's wrong with the show, something you don't like, you can always get at us. Over on Twitter, it's at Jordan Breen for me, at J-O-R-D-A-N-B-R-E-E-N. For David Bixenspan, at David Bix, D-A-V-I-D-B-I-X. And for the whole show on Twitter, at Two Scoops Pod, T-W-O-S-C-O-O-P-S-P-O-D. And you can email us, twoscoopspod at gmail.com. Now, Bix, the billionaire. How did this man come about to be? Because this is this is really, I think, what we want to get to the heart of. Like I said, this isn't about the political machinations. We're not trying to take the place of uh, Twitter or think pieces or anything like that. This is about how one man essentially had his worst instincts stoked and reinforced by a bunch of people who just treated him like this strange, non-human cultural character – and allowed him to eventually embody what people thought richness and wealth and being uh, being affluent meant. I remember some kind of like weird bad joke book or maybe like the joke section in the kid 
or like the joke part, excuse me, of the kid section in the newspaper. Mm-hmm. Having some like, you know how sometimes there will be jokes targeted for kids and joke books and stuff like that that don't actually have the structure of a joke? Yes, of course. And this one was something like something, something, Donald Trump, a millionaire. And the and the punch then the alleged punchline I should say was something like well, but he's already a billionaire and <laughs> it, it as stupid and weird as it is it does point to that his public image was basically the millionaire or the billion the multimillionaire or the billionaire however you want to put it in the eighties like he it's not like now where you have all the tech billionaires and whatever it was like oh. That that is what that is the person who has the most money, Donald Trump. I mean, that that's the thing is typically, and it was never true. No, and, and like being rich is something that that or or being the billionaire archetype, it's something that is it typically you, you would assume work towards. It's someone's life story. It's something that they either attain or are given. With Donald Trump, it somehow has become like his fundamental ontology. Even if you understand that he was given money by a rich father to invest in real estate and hasn't done so well uh, over the years consistently and all these sorts of things, none of that has mattered because it's somehow become dyed in the wool that this guy's very essence is to be rich. To be to be the billionaire is to somehow be like Donald Trump, which is backwards, terrifying, and I think worthy of examination of how such an, an insane thought, an insane mind warp comes to be well is it art of the deal is art of the deal why or is there something else to it as well i think it's every little bit of the equation i think art of the deal definitely helps the the 80s was the era of that sort of self-help book but also you combine that with being the billionaire i think it made an irresistible read for a particular yuppie audience and and gave it a certain certain kind of cultural gravitas that it wouldn't have had otherwise. I also wonder how much of that is cultural that he's the New York real estate mogul as opposed to someone like I don't, Ted Turner. Yeah, you know what I mean. Like if you had to guess, I would assume during like most of that time that Ted Turner probably had more money than Donald Trump. Mm-hmm. Actually, right? did stuff to earn it. Infinitely more enterprising. Yes, uh, much more politically active. Mm-hmm. What else can we think of? Uh, funded professional wrestling. <laughs> well, I mean, only one of these men is in the World Wrestling Entertainment Hall of Fame now. Oh, well, like, like Ted's ever going to be in the Hall of Fame. Poor, poor billionaire Ted. This notwithstanding, the, the the art of the deal, I think, if anything, it's not the reason for. It's just the moment where it crystallizes that sort of, of image. And I think it's important because that informs a lot of what becomes Trump sociopathy. For instance, I, I won't say like I relish the story, but it, it blows me away. Are you aware of the varying accounts of Donald Trump's first wife, Ivana, and mistress turned second wife, Marla Maples, getting into a, a Aspen snow brawl? Yes, although you say various accounts. I'm pretty sure that Marla and Ivana pretty much agree on what happened. Well, 
some slight parts of it. Some people, some people say that one called the other a bitch. Some people say they threw snow at each other, and some people. Uh. There, there are certain accounts that basically say that Donald Trump sees this unfolding, essentially, long story short, um, in, I believe, 1990, um, Donald Trump and Ivana Trump went on a ski trip to Aspen. Donald Trump, as at this point, the art of the deal, it's out. The billionaire archetype has been crystallized. He now thinks he embodies this, and America thinks he embodies this. So he believes the bullshit that has been foisted upon him. And so he thinks he's the kind of person that can definitely take his mistress on the exact same ski vacation as his wife, and it's going to be all good. Now, there's a big Barbara Walters interview from 91 where Ivana Trump goes through all this stuff. She basically says that she didn't know who Marla Maples was at the time, but started like seeing her around and heard her name. I believe she refers to as Mula multiple times. And then it comes to a head when she realizes what's really up. And it's it's she says that Marla said, I'm Marla and I love your husband. Do you? And they have a spat. And according to, to Marla, it goes similarly, although it's Marla's contention that Ivana basically comes up to her and says, you bitch, leave my husband alone while they're at Bonnie's restaurant in Aspen. And uh, by some accounts, you get this funny image of Donald Trump apparently is within earshot of when they're having this and attempts to put his skis on very quickly and go down the hill to get away from them. But, unfor- <laughs> but, but unfortunately, Donald Trump is not a particularly great skier. Oh, yeah. And Yvonne is essentially able to coast down the hill and catch up with him, turn around while skiing backwards while screaming at him as he attempts to go down the hill. Hey, this uh, is who reported this? People Magazine, February 1990. By most accounts, the ailing marriage took its fatal downhill plunge during the couple's stormy Christmas holiday in Aspen, where they were seen arguing on the slopes and outside Bonnie's, a popular restaurant on the mountain. Another vacationing skier reports that on December 29th, Ivana became so enraged when she learned that actress model Marla Maples was also at the resort, that two days later, according to a witness, when Maples, 26, walked out of Bonnie's, Ivana confronted her, demanding, You bitch, leave my husband alone. Trump, who was sitting within earshot putting on his skis, took off down the mountain. Wrong move. Ivana is an excellent skier, while Donald is not. When the formidable Czech pushed off in hot pursuit, fascinated observers swear they saw her whip in front of Donald and then ski backwards down the slopes, wagging her finger in his face. This is the kind of thing that would break a lot of people, even rich, powerful people. They would sit back and think, oh, my God, I've loused this all up. I thought I thought I was this billionaire playboy and can do whatever I wanted, and there would be there would be no pushback. There would be no justice served. And instead, would you would you like to hear how Donald Trump remembers this incident in uh, <laughs> in Timothy O'Brien's Trump Nation, the art of being the Donald in Trump's own words? I don't think I've heard this specific version, although it should be pointed out. I want to say it was two months ago, maybe maybe a little less, like six weeks ago. There was a New York Times article, and I don't remember. Oh, it was it was when he started going after Bill Clinton and mm-hmm. affairs and stuff more. I think so. This is pre grabber by the pussy tape, but when he's starting to talk about the affairs and stuff, mm-hmm. he is now claiming that he never cheated on any of his wives. <laughs> oh. 
Yeah. Oh, you hadn't seen that? <laughs> no. <laughs> I mean, there's been there's been so many lies and mistruths in the last. I mean, this guy just has such a reckless disregard for the truth that. I, I forget what he claims he hasn't lied about. And this is what I'm talking about. Most people, lying is something that either you're a full-blown sociopath and you're not proud of it but actively work to conceal it, or you're simply not proud of what you've done and you admit human error and you uh, you admit fault and act appropriately contrite and, and uh, make amends with people if, if you're decent. Donald Trump takes it a whole level further because at this point in time, he's already living in a fantasy world where he's not really a real person. He's not really a husband or he's not even a billionaire. He's the billionaire. He can just do whatever. So here's Donald Trump years later recalling this incident. And it's the reason I bring all this up isn't just to make fun of the, the image of Ivana Trump skiing backwards down an Aspen Hill while screaming at Donald Trump who's bow-legged and about to fall off the skis. Donald Trump remembers this basically in a way that suggests that for such a horrifying moment, he looked back and thought, man, this is really proof that I'm a great guy and women want me all the time. So this is what these are Donald Trump's words from Timothy O'Brien's Trump Nation, The Art of Being the Donald. We were actually standing near the restaurant getting ready to put skis on, and I was standing there like an idiot, and Marla and Ivana were there. There wasn't shouting, but you could obviously see there was some friction. And a man was standing right next to me, who weighed about 350 pounds and wasn't a very attractive guy. He said to me, it could be worse, Donald. I've been in Aspen for 20 years, and I've never had a date. And I'll never forget the statement, and it sort of lightened it up a little bit for me. That's how Donald Trump sees the world. And a situation where even... Go ahead. thing, though. Based on stuff he said lately, I can almost guarantee you that that exchange did not happen. Oh. It, it, it's so evocative of the maybe the hacker was a 400 pound guy in bed <laughs> thing. Like, doesn't it? Absolutely. But, but again, it goes to confirming this worldview where. He 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 doesn't see a problem in this. He thinks like, well, I've got two where they've got one. It's all good, which is something only someone completely divorced from reality. Again, this goes beyond – it's beyond privilege because even your average rich dick, even if they have a full billion dollars in the bank account, would be horrified by this particular incident. He still sees it in a particular manner of like, well, what was I supposed to do? They were both there and they were both mine, which is – only something that can be you know that's that, that's only a worldview that can come about that's only a sort of style of, of human relation that can come about if you think that you'll never be caught and if you are there's no punishment it reminds me of i mean the, the basic story mm-hmm. with the two of them being there and it's not the same thing but this reminds me of and i know we try to keep the pro wrestling and mma out of this podcast it happens to a reasonable degree but i gotta tell the story Especially because it's not really a well-known one. Uh, so sometime maybe earlier this year or last year, looking through these scans of these old pro wrestling fanzines. And one of them I'm looking at from 1983, and it shows Ric Flair with what's his was his girlfriend. I believe her name was Leslie. And it's a newspaper article from either Australia or New Zealand. I forget which, but he's boring mm. Australia Asia. And it's like, this is Nature Boy Ric Flair, the world heavyweight champion, and his girlfriend, Leslie. But I'm like, he's married to his second wife at this point. Surprise. 
And then, but wait, wait, wait. So did he? I mean, I mean, it's Ric Flair. So I guess it's possible. I mean, it's different era. She's not going to find out. His wife's not. But I could just kind of put it away. I didn't really think too much about it. On his podcast, I want to say a few months later, and I forget exactly what Flair said, but he referenced something about like a Leslie in an Australia or something. <laughs> well, maybe Flair decided to just take his mistress with him <laughs> and be photographed for newspapers on an Australian tour because it's 1983 and it's not going to get back to his wife. And there is something to be said for the year and the date. The changing nature of media, I think, speaks a lot to how we ended up here and how over the years Trump was able to change and maneuver and finagle his image even amidst bankruptcies and starting to look like a haunted root vegetable and things like this and still ultimately become president-elect of the United States. But I want to sort of double down this idea of – Impunity, since it goes very – not nicely with Donald Trump. It's just part and parcel of who he is and, and how he's been manicured by people who've always treated him that way. If people have always treated you like something, more often than not, you're going to end up internalizing that, and that's what you get here. So I want I want to play our, our first actual proper Donald appearance, one of his most known horrific uh, instances – in any form, fashion, but this one coming from The Apprentice. If you've never even seen The Apprentice before, you've probably heard tell of this clip where during The Celebrity Apprentice, Donald Trump is uh, talking to, I believe it's like Brett Michaels, LaToya Jackson, and Brandy Roderick, former oh, Playboy playmate. And, uh, well, I mean, Bix, you just want to play that clip? Uh, oh boy. Oh boy. You dropped to your knees. Yes. And begged to do this. And I said, I'm looking around the room, and we had even Latoya, who sitting beside me, thought maybe Brandy was right. must be a pretty picture you dropped to John and Dennis thought I should be. Omarosa said me. Some <laughs> other- oh, dear. It's it's extra creepy, too, that even though he's not part of the team, who like what other melted face ghoul do they cut to immediately after? Oh, why am I forgetting his name all of a sudden? Piers Morgan. Thank you. They cut to Piers Morgan just laughing like an absolute tit the minute Donald Trump makes that joke. So, Bix, would you like to take a guess how after going on Celebrity Apprentice and being sexually harassed on camera in this way as a former Playboy Playmate, would you like to take any guess how Brandy Roderick voted in this election? For Donald Trump? That's the way. On top of that, after another uh, former Trump hobnobber came out, former Miss Universe Alicia Machado, she said that Trump had called her Miss Piggy and Miss Housekeeping. And so CNN did a follow-up story where they brought Brandy Roderick on, obviously someone in the newsroom being like, hey, you remember on Apprentice when he said that awful blowjob joke to that former playmate? Here are... uh, the actual segment itself is just too long and you know inane for us to go through, but I would encourage you to check it out. CNN's Poppy Harlow interviews Brandy Roderick, and her disbelief while Brandy Roderick defends Trump is positively 
it's it's just jarring to watch this newswoman who obviously she gets Brandy Roderick on expecting, you know, a similar kind of like, oh, these comments are unacceptable and my time on Celebrity Apprentice was terrible. Instead, what Brandy Roderick said was, I by no means condone bad things being said about anyone. If my children said some of the things she's accusing Mr. Trump of saying, she being in this case Alicia Machado, I would probably wash their mouths out with soap. However, there's a difference between someone saying something derogatory and demeaning, and what he said to me was completely innocent, she asserted. And believe me, I certainly know the difference between someone saying something derogatory or saying something demeaning. I think a lot of things are taken out of context, and I believe Trump is absolutely the best person to be commander-in-chief. He is the best person to be our president. That's September 28th, 2016, years after Trump had debased her to her face and said something positively vile and puerile like this. And yet she supported him and voted for him for president and went on CNN, much to the chagrin of a shocked female anchor, as she tried to basically get her to say, like, no, this is not okay. And she just couldn't break Brandy Roderick, which goes to this kind of demagoguery we're talking about where because of the billionaire mind warp, no one treats this man like a real human being. But it's weird because he's put in his own category for some reason because he is a caricature of a rich person. You know, the the thing that's been repeated a decent amount throughout all this was he is like middle America's caricature of a rich person or like what they think they would do if they were a rich person or something, something you know, something like that. He's like he's like the rich he's like the 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 striving id come to life. If I had the money, that's what I'd be like. But he doesn't even like spend in opulent ways that are like, oh yeah, that's badass. I'd want to do that. I'm sure he has boats or something, but he's not jetting around all the time. You know what I mean? He's got golf courses. He does boring old rich guy stuff. (laughs) He's not he's not buying like a private concert for Baron. You know what I mean? He's not getting the wiggles or whatever to perform for Baron's birthday. <laughs> well, I mean, I think I think we conclusively saw during uh, Trump's victory speech that Baron can't stay up too long. That's a kid that should be in bed that before was, 9 p.m. That was terrible. That really – I can't believe they didn't pull him out of the shot almost immediately. It looked like they woke that kid up with a four-hour nap made him snort Ritalin and just threw him in a pair of wingtips and, like, tried to position him on stage he precariously. Like he's going to throw up, pass out, or both. Yes. And I was, I was shocked that, like, Melania didn't just kind of arm him out of the shot. Nonetheless, when we are going to size up how people react to Trump, in true Two Scoops fashion, I think it's only fitting we look at some FCC complaints and... I think when you look at some of the recent FCC complaints against Donald Trump, they're incredibly telling. Because first of all, there's a whole slate of FCC complaints that came out when Donald Trump announced his candidacy. And in August, Mashable published this huge list. August of last year, I should say. August 2015. They uh, published all these um, FCC complaints about – Essentially, when Trump entered the race and the 24-hour news cycle fascination with Trump as potential president came into play, you know, from from someone in Candler, Alabama, the only person on TV for the Republican race is Mr. Trump. Where are the others? Is there no law for equal time for all candidates? Is this how we elect our president? 
from Fox Lake, Illinois. I realize that there are probably loopholes allowing broadcasts to be all Trump all of the time, but he's constantly on any news program I see these days. I barely see any other of the candidates. This should be addressed by the equal time rule. Now, obviously, the equal time rule doesn't apply to like like broadcasts in this way. To news coverage, no. Exactly. So he's just able to reap the benefits. But that's how it starts. Fast forward a few months, we, you know, when, when Trump's actually in the Republican nomination process, there's a, a moment where Rich Lowry of Fox News basically described Donald Trump as a gelding, saying that Carly Fiorina would cut his balls off. Now, the complaints here are much, much more sort of pointed in the way of like, you know, this is this is a so we got one from Florida. Rich Lowry should be fine for his vulgar, disgusting comments on Fox News during prime time. And we got another one from where are we at Cincinnati, Ohio, vulgar language during prime time against a presidential candidate X rated language at that. I was watching the Kelly file on Fox with my 79-year-old mom and my 72-year-old Air Force veteran father and was so embarrassed at Rich Lowry's vulgar language. Couldn't believe my ears. It was disgusting and pure filth. Unprofessional rant. So in these contexts, people are – why is he on TV all of the time? Why why when Donald Trump comes up, is there allowed to be this disgusting, vile, vulgar tenor of conversation? Then, fast forward to very recently, we get the pussy-grabbing video. Vice put out a story and on October 13th of this year uh, detailing all the Federal Communications Commission's complaints about Donald Trump's pussy-grabbing video. And this is where you see the cult of personality take over because these comments create – like this again, this intense cognitive dissonance where people are not mad about what Donald Trump did or said. They are strictly concerned with the vulgarity of the situation. And then in the situation, I take that back, the vulgarity of the language being broadcast. Not that it came out of his mouth, not that he thought it and ideated these words, they verbalized them. It's simply the fact they were broadcast. So we go, you know, more recently. From Madison, Alabama, on Saturday, October 8th, CNN News covered the recent story regarding the hot mic issue with Donald Trump. In their broadcast of the actual taped audio and associated subtitles, CNN did not bleep out the words pussy or bitch. I was watching the show with my 13-year-old and was completely stunned they did not edit these words in the subtitle or the audio. I continued to watch, and they did it several more times. Then we go from Van Buren, Missouri. For Donald Trump to be taped without his knowledge in a private meeting and then shown on CBS National News without his permission should be a violation of his rights, and the FCC should hold CBS accountable. Nice work, Carl Diggler. <laughs> that was your – you, you weren't doing the voice, but you kind of had the Carl Diggler thing going there. Now – I'll, I'll do, Hang on. I'll do, I'll do my best on the last one. From Savannah, Georgia. I was listening to CNN today, and they purposely played Donald Trump, including words like pussy and many other foul words in the middle of the day. They should be penalized to the full extent. Is that better? Yes and no. Actually, wait, is this a- <laughs> <laughs> obviously this better? Is, this is the one from the article you're reading, you mean? Not, not in the actual Yes. Document. 
Um, well, the, the the document these are these are just some of the ones I like the first ones I scrolled through, but I think they nicely typify exactly what I'm trying to cut to the heart to of. When people complain about – like I think you see the cult of personality come out in the FCC complaints because even though you may have some Trump opponents who complained when he got wall-to-wall coverage endlessly, even though you have some people who complained about the pure vulgarity of language when it was someone sizing up Trump's political chances or how he would fare against another nominee, when it came to foul language coming out of this guy's mouth, you think this would be, you know, mixing um, baking soda and vinegar and creating a reaction. You think, all right, this guy's on all the time. Some people are sick of this. People are complaining to the FCC about you know, the the kind of vulgarity and obscenity that is encircling this election, you think when this tape comes out, it would be uh, this this two-headed monster. Instead, what you get is people saying, well, this is unfair. Donald Trump can say whatever he wants. How dare they tape him? And then in turn, people who are upset about hearing the words pussy and bitch are not upset because of the context. They're simply upset that the words came out of their speakers and their TV set and went into their ear canals and registered in their brain yes. with no fault to the guy at own be, being a, a, a complete sex offending slimy scumbag someone who literally bought the miss america pageant for years just so we could get them confused oh sorry the miss usa pageant but he bought it and owned the thing for like 20 years i think he sold it to wmeimg yeah, after just so he could walk he, in on naked teenagers in the dressing room yeah I mean, doesn't doesn't this? I, I know that we're just taking you know anecdotal, cherry picked FCC reports, but does this not strike you as bizarre that the kind of things that people complain about, it, as soon as the rubber meets the road, and it kind of seems like oh, this is this is where your comments are coming to a head. The things you've complained about, they've been taken to the nth degree, and yet somehow it results in. Complete exoneration of Donald Trump and it's, you know, CNN and CBS's fault because they didn't blank the words out. This is insane. David Bixenspan in clearly words that he didn't write. Would you like to maybe be chilled to the bone by some prescient comedy from the Drew Carey show? Um, when I say like to, I mean, will you allow me to torture you? It's really anytime I say, would you like to on this show? You, you know what I'm really intimating. Oh boy. And I presume this is also uh, this is before the last season of. Oh, oh, hello! I didn't realize you were starting to. Play. I was going to say if it's before the last season of the Juice Carries to a show, it's also pro- probably not good. Enough. I believe it is season two. Let me let me ch- let me uh, let me let me check on that quickly for for Drew Carey posterity. Uh, the Drew Carey Show, nineteen. Uh, there we go. Season two. Episode New York and Queens. Apparently, Drew Carey and the crew, they just want to go see the Indians uh, play the Yankees, and, and they're about to end up uh, encountering Donald Trump. In, uh, the, the, the actual script here is what blows me away, and there's a particular line that I just thought was reflecting on the election. I just I, I stepped back for a second and just went like, whoa, Wow. So, David Bixenspan, when you're ready to hear some magic, hit that play button. Oh, oh, dear. Oh, oh, as usual, dear. Oh, my God. You're Donald Trump. Look at this right here on the street. It's Donald Trump. 
Kind of weird, isn't it? Sort of like I'm human. Let me have a Nutty Buddy, please. Oh, we don't have any ice cream. Human. <laughs> but even that line, like, he's here on the street, Donald Trump. Like, yeah, like I'm human. Even in a comedy thing, they're trying to convey, like, oh, my God, he's this larger-than-life billionaire. But even in doing so, even though you know it's a sitcom, it reinforces the idea of, like, can you believe I just ran into this guy in New York who is part and parcel of New York for decades? Can you really believe it? This is also why old money people clearly hate new money in Silicon Valley people because, like, they can't understand someone like Mark Zuckerberg who's just, like, this – on the spectrum weirdo who really likes wearing hoodies. <laughs> yeah, that's no, that's no way to just to, like doing regular shit. Like Mark Zuckerberg is not like a big spender. No, other than you know just giving things to, to causes and philanthropy and whatever it might be. No, he's certainly not a conspicuous spender. He's not trying to be, be like Dan Bilzerian or anything like that. But we get we get some crazier forthcoming lines here, which actually dovetail nicely with uh, one of our favorite swing states. Isn't this an ice cream truck? Uh-huh. So what's in the back of your truck? Beer. Beer in the back of an ice cream truck? What are you, morons? No, I'm from Cleveland. Ah, you're from Cleveland. Okay, look. That might be the most atrocious laugh track I've ever heard in my life. It is the Drew Carey show. Indeed. Also, can we really call it the most atrocious laugh track we've ever heard in our life, given our first Patreon exclusive? Well, I'll put it this way. The quality of the laugh track itself, not the necessarily the timing of the laugh track. Okay, that's that's fair enough. But it still harkens to the fact that even in the mid-90s, we got just, oh my god, you're Donald Trump. And actors are fainting and whatnot. Also, Bix, going back to uh, an earlier time. I got I got another thing that I just encountered, actually. I was mentioning his the events that precipitated his divorce from Ivanka back in eighty nine ninety. Ivana, excuse me. Well, he'll never get divorced from Ivanka. They'll be together forever. In uh, unfortunately, what country is that legal in? Yeah, you know, not not that, not that there's anything wrong with that. Although there very much is plenty plenty wrong with that. Nonetheless, David Bixenspan, check out this link that I have just blessed you with. Oh, now, if I say Donald you distracted Trump, me by sending me something in Skype. Too. So, I mean, how else are you how else I are you going to see this? Link right well, what do you what do you want me to look at first? Look at look at the image first. Okay. Now, if I say Donald Trump pillowcase, people are thinking, oh, a pillowcase put up by the Donald J. Trump line made in some third world factory. But no, this is an exclusive <laughs> 1990 contest in Playgirl in which you can win a Donald Trump pillowcase. Sleep with Donald Trump, the contest that puts you in bed with the man of your dreams. So at this point, the people running the magazine don't know that the audience is primarily gay men? No. Well, maybe. Maybe Trump has more of that appeal than we even realize. Uh, okay, so this then it gets blurry. He's tall, good-looking. About to be divorced. <laughs> and rich beyond its very your wildest, wildest imagination. imagination. His every move makes headlines, even his bedroom moves. One woman reportedly said, uh, he's the best sex I've ever had. He's multi-mil- multi-billionaire Donald Trump. And no, now— was, What? 
He definitely wasn't then. He's multi-billionaire Donald Trump, and now if you win our contest, you can snuggle up and get to know him too. It's easy. Just fill out the coupon below and mail it in to us by August 15th, 1990. We'll pick winners at random, one for each million of soon-to-be ex-wife Ivana's prenuptial agreement. Each lucky winner will receive a pillowcase exclusively silk-screened to this playgirl contest with Donald's face so you can lie there whispering sweet nothings in his ear all night long. You also get a copy of Masquerade Books' new Donald Trump, The Man, The Myth, The Scandal by Joel Reed. You'll be able to find out whatever you want to know about America's most magnetic magnet. Don't wait. A catch like Donald Trump won't stay out of someone's bed for long. Hmm. Interesting. Interesting. So this is the kind of adult. Wow, they had a really low, low opinion of their readers. Well, I mean, is it is it a low opinion of their readers or is it, as we've been discussing, a bizarrely inflated opinion of the billionaire? In this case, the multi-billionaire, allegedly. Which, I'm, like I said, I'm pretty sure that's definitely not true during this time. But – this man, no, you know, if you want proof that failure can't deter this man, we'll stick in the same era. David Bixon's man, knower of things, watcher of films, purveyor of fine and obviously shit media. You know anything about Ghosts Can't Do It? Uh, no. Is it anything like Earth Curls or Easy? Uh, it's, it's significantly poorer. I'll give it that. So it was written and directed by John Derrick in 1989. So you can imagine who stars in it. Uh, who's John Derrick? Uh, he would be the husband. Uh, I believe Bo Derrick was his fourth wife. Oh, Bo Derrick. Yes, she would be the one. So Bo Derrick, I've only ever seen this on cable years ago, but if I'm – I'll look up the IMDb uh, actual thing. Elderly Scott kills himself after a heart attack wrecks his body. But then he comes back as a ghost and convinces his loving, young, hot wife Kate – actually says that – to kill a younger man in order for Scott to possess his body and be with her again. What? Okay, this is kind of like if someone out of their mind on – uh, cocaine made ghost. It's basically Bo Derek is married to this dude played by Anthony Quinn, who like, I have no idea how old Anthony Quinn would be at this point in time. He would have been uh, 70. He would have been 75. So Bo Derek is married to Anthony Quinn, who has the heart attack and then kills himself. He then returns to her in these bizarre crossfades throughout the entire film and like talks to her and and she gets into some business dealings. The reason I bring this up is that it was a since 1990 was a bad year for commercial film in the sense that if you go look through the golden raspberry list, you really got some bangers. This film actually tied for the worst film of the year. And do, do you want to have a guess at what it tied with in 1990? 1990. Uh, Let's just I'll, – I'll give you a hint. Um, it it involves kind of the cross-section of rock and roll, detective work, and dirty limericks. What? 
Are you familiar with Andrew Dice Clay vehicle, The Adventures of Ford Fairlane? Oh, yes, 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 yes. Okay. This this movie was so bad that it it people couldn't distinguish whether or not it was in fact worse than The Adventures of Ford Fairlane that particular year. Above and beyond that, worst picture, worst actress, worst director, and your worst supporting actor of the year at the Golden Raspberry Awards in 1990 for Ghost Can't Do It, despite appearing in mere minutes of footage and not really being a true supporting actor, Mr. Donald J. Trump. So in, in the scenes I'm about to inflict on you, Bix, we have Bo Derek, who is presently trying to hook some business deals up while trying to find a suitable, suitable corporeal husk for her four times her age husband to return to in a magical sort of way. Like, imagine if Ghost was utterly charmless, gormless, and and just brutally cynical in every way possible, and it still wouldn't even uh, approximate this. Are you, are you ready to be horrified by the uh, dimly lit business meetings, the boardrooms of 8990 with Donald, Day, Donald J. Trump and Bo Derek? Donald A. Trump, is that his acting name? Yeah. <laughs> that's, 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 uh, that's when he gets into real thespian mode and goes method actor for several years to prepare for a role like Daniel Day-Lewis. Maybe he'll just start pretending he's Abraham Lincoln to be a better president or something. He texts in character as uh, Abraham Lincoln just like Daniel Day-Lewis did. But, Dan- Abe, uh, you know that they didn't have text messages in your time. Don't tell Daniel Day-Lewis that. Slap you in the face. Slap you in the face with something period appropriate. It'll probably even hurt more. A glove. <laughs> more, more shaming. Also, Donald Trump does seem like the kind of dude that would want to smack you with a glove if he smacked you with something. Well, actually, wait. Are you aware of the specific allegations from the now uh, withdrawn uh, rape of the 13-year-old girl lawsuit? No. In what way does it involve a glove? That she had to... Uh, put on a rubber glove i think it was a i would think it actually would have to be a rubber glove before using her hand on him oh oh boy he was told i think by the procurer no you have to put on a glove before you touch mr trump's uh, i forget it was touch mr trump or touch mr trump's penis okay when you say rubber glove i'm imagining like oh, a like, ye- <laughs> like a yellow rubber dish cleaning yeah, glove. you I mean like I a latex a glove latex glove yes. okay Okay. Either way. Uh, or, a, uh, or as we have now, a purple nitrite glove. <laughs> powdered or unpowdered? Wait, do they make purple nitrite with powder? No, I'm just oh, saying, man. do you know, if, uh, do you know if, what, was, what was Trump's preference? I'm going to guess unpowdered. <laughs> well, actually, All right. um, yeah, unpowdered because you want it to, you know, I, I can't do this anymore. <laughs> All right. Yeah, you, the- you, you, this is your fault. From from Ghost Can't Do It, the the John Bodera classic, 1989-1990, sweeping, if not sweeping, then taking a significant chunk of the 1990 Golden Raspberry Awards, including signature performance of Donald J. Trump. Here we go. Buckle up, Bix. Did I win? I did, didn't I? You were good. I read your book. And I won. I did. I beat you. You were very good. You played the situation perfectly. So I beat the situation, but not you. That's what you did. I think you like to make mischief. You noticed that too. Is that for you? No problem. 
Bix, if you were like a screenwriter and you had to, you know, you're hammering this out on your typewriter, you, a hundred years ago, you got some round spectacles on, you got two cigarettes coming out either side of your mouth, you're hammering this down on your royal typewriter. How would you even describe what you've seen so far? So I'm uh, on my typewriter. I'm cosplaying as Stephen J. Cannell at the end of his shows. <laughs> and I'm describing what's going on right now as... Well, just just what is on my screen right at this moment, or the the whole scene up to this the, point? The, the thirty seconds we've seen so far, and how this bizarre boardroom, the darkest boardroom meeting in history, has been portrayed. So, I, it, dream sequence: <laughs> Bo Derek and um, her husband, after uh, walking away from watching the two gay dads in sleepaway camp canoodle with each other. <laughs> are going over paperwork with Donald Trump, who's talking in a way where he seems like he's trying to seduce Bo Derek. Yes, very much so. And then um, Bo Derek and her dead old husband start, like, stage whispering to each other in a really weird way. <laughs> like, they're doing the whole, like, cantaloupe and watermelon. Cantaloupe. <laughs> type of thing. Also, again, even though this doesn't appear to be, like, you know, Park Avenue, 10 a.m. This is ostensibly a serious business border meeting, something involving a boat. There's a large ocean liner replica on the table. There's well, they're boats. rich. Yes, of course. Boats, 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 boats. So boats are at stake. Boats, Derek. And this boardroom, there is like someone someone has like um, one of those Coleman like tiny lanterns underneath the table with a blanket over it to provide all of the the light in this room this is the darkest business meeting in the history of time <laughs> what that's that's Anthony okay Anthony Quinn her husband her dead husband that is how he is shot. As a ghost in this oh, film. Okay, so wait, so that's not the dead husband that I saw up till now. No, it's the very same. It's the same. But that's that wait, is how he's he shot next to her. Uh, I I assume her her lawyer. That's what I'm saying. I meant that that's I, I okay. I, I was for some reason I was thinking that was it. No, that I'll, I'll rewind that for you so you can see Anthony Quinn do whatever the hell he just did in what appears to be a weird piece of stock Is he footage. any of the actual same scenes as anyone else? I mean, is he acting with anyone else in this movie? He does act in some scenes with other people in this film. He actually is in it. But I wouldn't be surprised if he had some kind of like physical infirmity and somehow they used like old B-roll of him or something like that to do scenes like this. <laughs> Well, gentlemen, I hope I was clear and not too vacant-headed. Because from the look of this room, it isn't woman's work we're doing here today. This is shot terribly, too. Forget setting aside the darkness. What was that weird shot, like, obscured shot before they cut to Trump just now? I I don't know. You were like, it was like a layer of glass, but it reflected off the glass and the table. I, it almost looked like it was like you're kind of like through blinds or in a closet looking through slats in the door type of shot. I mean, if you're the speaking of John and Bo Derek, if you're the kind of person who watched Bolero and was put off by like, oh, my God, 
she has a naked vagina and she's riding a horse with no saddle. This is this film is a thousand times more jarring. How have I, how have I never heard of this? That's how you get gonorrhea, by the way. <laughs> Bolero is like the original, like one of the original Golden Raspberry sweepers. I think it won like almost every Golden Raspberry of the year it was released, and is and I think generally kind of seen as the greatest instance of a famous rich writer director type trying to insert their ingenue and wife into a situation. With all due respect to your wrestling homeboy Dick Ebersol. Well, wait, wasn't his wife already kind of a celebrity? Yeah, and, well, I mean, he was just trying to amp up her celebrity. But yeah, Susan St. James was already on TV and whatnot. Yeah. All right, Donald Trump, looking fish-lipped and weird. We continue. It has been decided that there is no point that can be argued. The point is based as it is stated. It's not ambiguous. There is no room for any rhetoric. You must yield. Must! Who the fuck are you? I never saw you before. Must? Who the fuck are you? I've never even seen you before. Okay. Like, Ghost Anthony Quinn is just, like, <laughs> he's in, like, a like a, a booth somewhere with a really cheap smoke machine doing these over-the-top 1940s, 1950s-style gesticulations while, while blurting out these lines for Bo Derek to then uh, verbalize. This film is truly a piece of shit. I'm down to their level. Where does that have a bearing on the point of issue? <laughs> Can you imagine if at any if at any of the debates Donald Trump says, "How does that have any bearing on the point of issue?" Come down to their level. Where does that have a bearing on the point of issue? <laughs> Tell them we're going back to the Indian Ocean to put away their knives and go home. No, I would suggest you put away your knives. You haven't got one sharp enough to carve up a Scot. The great Scot lives on in me. And believe me, the city will be reduced to dust before you will best me. Does Titan ring a bell? This has been interesting. Tomorrow at 11, we will vote, and that will settle it for now. But be assured, Mrs. Scott, that in this room there are knives sharp enough to cut you to the bone. And hearts cold enough to eat yours as hors d'oeuvres. You bet your sweet little ass on me. You're too pretty to be bad. You notice. You've got it, money. <laughs> <laughs> like, how atrocious is that? That may be that may be Patreon future right there, Bix. Well, also, I see this, and you realize the Razzies have a different purpose these days than they used to. When yeah, the Razzies started. It's a very different kind of bad movie than the Razzies go to now. I, I literally believe, Bix, this is a conversation we had prior to ever starting Two Scoops and the kind of thing that I think oriented us toward it. Um, this is something I felt passionately about for a long time. And it goes to speak to a fundamental like difference in Hollywood now, filmmaking, and what we kind of consider bad or a failure. We could do and probably will do a whole show on this, but brief opening, you know, abstract to the essay rather than uh, – the full proof. If you look at the early days of the Razzies through the 80s, early 90s, they're going to big budget Hollywood films where people have simply made awful dreck or overplayed their hand or made some kind of awful vanity project or inserted Madonna or Bo Derek or whoever they're dating or married to into a film and it was a disaster. And today you get like straight to DVD Paris Hilton things and like Wayne's family 
uh, parodies and things like that being nominated for Razzies as opposed to like attempted legitimate film. Right. Something like Catwoman, I think, still fits with the spirit yes. of the Razzies more. Which is why it's iconic, which is yes. why Halle Berry showed up and credits that moment with revitalizing her career. I, to this day, I believe, still the only person to ever accept a Razzie for worst actor or actress in person. Yeah, I guess because it ended up being so spectacularly bad that she could celebrate it. Yeah, fair. Like, it, it's one thing to just fail, but the whole movie, like, the whole movie is failing around her so much, and the concept was kind of, for it kind of didn't make sense anyway, mm-hmm. that I guess she's able to just kind of revel in it. Yeah, I think that's a, a fair assessment. But that, be that as it may, the Catwomans and Geelys and then swept aways, they're fewer and far in between today, you know? Yes, yes. Um, something Before I forget about it, I, something I wanted to bring up that we, we started to talk about off air and then I realized should be discussed on air. Um, okay, this, I, I'll explain how this gets to trouble. In a moment. Do you remember like a first season Law and Order SVU episode about I wanna say it's either a teacher or a stockbroker. I think it's a teacher who's like has issues with being like uh I mean and within the this show, I'm saying the show this is the way these shows presenting it. I'm not saying this is my worldview. Where it's like, oh, she's overly promiscuous and then she gets killed or something. Oh yeah, don't they don't they find out that she's into like autoerotic asphyxiation and stuff? Okay, yes, like yes, 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 yes. I think so. And do you remember what the cause of her sexual hangups is said to be? Oh, the actual underlying cause, not the yes. kink itself. Yes. Um, <laughs> no, no, I don't. Okay, it's. And I, I'll explain. This stuck in my head ever since, like the, the last time I saw this rerun, that it was a term called covert incest from her father. <laughs> okay. And I, I, I ended up googling it because I was like, "Wait, is that really a thing?" And apparently, it is. And as weird and fucked up as it is, like there's there are forums where like women who went through this in their childhoods find each other because now all of a sudden they know the name for it. Where it's just like, oh, he's pouring out. And when I say just, I mean, uh, I'm trying to simplify it. Uh, Leaves pouring out. He compliments you on your body when you're whatever. He walks in when you're – that's like just creepy shit but never actually, you know, uh, assaults. Yeah, the kind of of behavior we see uh, displayed in like – Ashley and Jessica Simpson's infamous creepy dad, who I believe is named Joe. Yes, Papa Joe. Uh, my point is, though, is there is a name for what Donald Trump appears to uh, be around Ivanka. It is a thing. And I only wanted to bring it up because without Law & Order SVU, we probably wouldn't know. <laughs> Covert incest. I mean... If there's, I mean, the backbone of it is sort of offering the kind of psychological, emotional, sexual support that someone would expect to find in an an adult non-family member. I mean, what more could you construe from a guy basically going, yeah, I'd have sex with my daughter. She's gorgeous. If she wasn't my daughter. Of course, if she wasn't my daughter. What's the one thing you two have in common? Well, I was going to say sex. 
<laughs> also, also, um, wait, have you seen the video of him and Marla, like, right after Tiffany was born? Uh, no. Being interviewed by Robin Leach? No. And Robin Leach is like, well, well, what, what, what's Tiffany going to have from each of you? And he's like, well, uh, her, her father's intellect and his, his business sense and maybe her, mother, her, her mother's legs. Uh, don't know yet if she's going to have her mother's, you know, and makes the, the big boobs gesture. <laughs> Talking about his... <laughs> God. And and this is like, my point is, though, is it's like, People will be off put by him by stuff that has nothing to do with the campaign. And also, but, I wanted to bring it up for the SVU connection. Really, that I thought I did want to bring up just the whole SVU. Oh, SVU gives us name for things, names for things, as awful as it is. And as awful as this man is, why does it get glossed over in public? Well, because David Bixen's fan, he helped introduce the world to stuffed crust pizza. Are you ready to hop in the? Are you ready to hop in the DeLorean? Go back to nineteen ninety five. Um, I think so, but you made me forget what forget what I was going to say next. So, damn you, Jordan Breed. Well, I mean, you think of it right now. You're on the clock. Let's look at some stuffed crust pizza. Absolutely. Were you on the stuffed crust pizza train as a kid? I believe uh not regularly, but I think I did get it like right when it was first to uh, how would we what would we say released debuted <laughs> hit the scene dropped its mixtape. When, yeah. when 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 Pizza Hut dropped its 1995 album, Eat Your Pizza Backwards. I didn't expect it to have the staying power it did, though. No, and it's still a concept to this day. And more than that, this is this is the second working of I, I think um, of a dead Pizza Hut product. Because if you recall, when we discussed the O.J. Simpson debacle and Bronco Chase, I mentioned that I specifically remember that night getting the two foot Bigfoot pizza. All right. So are we ready for this? All right, we're going back to 1995 with Donald, I believe Marla, and we're going to eat our pizza backwards because there's cheese in the crust. Wrong, isn't it? But it feels so right. Then it's a deal? Yes, we eat our pizza the wrong way. Crust it's Ivana. Yep, it is. With a ring of cheese baked into a totally new thinner crust, you'll want to eat it the wrong way. Crust first. May I have the last slice? Actually, you're only entitled to half. Large is nine and... It's oh, a divorce God, joke. I remember this now. It's a divorce joke. You thought it was about pizza, but it's really that Donald was a bad guy who fucked around with Marla Maples and brought her to Aspen on his ski trip with his wife over Christmas. Oh, uh, goodness gracious. Now, you might think that Donald Trump's celebrity, you know, only recently starting extending outside of New York and North America and the West. But no, it's not the case. Now, not only did he introduce a stuffed crust pizza to a Western audience, Bix, he brought the Pizza Hut New Yorker pizza to our Australian audience. Are you ready for an Australian Pizza Hut Donald Trump ad? Well, first of all, would I be correct in assuming that the New Yorker was the Australian name for what they called the Neapolitan? I did that when I, I briefly went through this video and looked at the pizza. It did appear to be exactly that. For those for those who don't recall or remember or know, the Neapolitan was pretty much Pizza Hut's attempt at doing regular pizza. <laughs> pizza that pizza that someone might want to eat. It wasn't bad, and, and not I necessarily. I remember liking it. I mean, I remember liking Pizza Hut as a kid too, and now I eat it, and I just it's like battery acid. No, but I mean the the Neapolitan though. Oh. I'm not sure I ever had it as a kid, to be honest. Okay, so so let's see the New Yorker pizza. We're going down under. 
Napoleon, Alexander the Great, Donald Trump. We're all cut from the same cloth, and that cloth is very, very large. It's not too big, is it? Oh, and suddenly, suddenly in this ad, all of a sudden, he looks much more like modern Donald Trump. Yeah, there, there's definitely a jump. Even going back to the Drew Carey episode, the the late 90s is really where, like, the Donald look. Like, the billionaire look dies, and even though he still carries the billionaire swagger and seemingly impenetrable veneer of inhumanity, the look of the Donald is is emerging very strong by the year 2000. And the speech patterns. The speech patterns. Oh, uh, yeah, the, the highly articulated... Too, yeah. Yeah. No. Why do New Yorkers have such big mouths? Go big or go home. Because they eat big pizza like the big New Yorker from Pizza Hut. We're talking 40% bigger. Soft, fresh dough with all your favorite toppings. Now from just $9.95. You've got to be losing money on this. <laughs> one, three, double, one, double, six. Pizza Hut. Wait, one, three, one, one, double, six. What does that even mean? That's, that's a phone number. They have six-digit phone numbers in Australia? I, you probably got. I mean, you work an area code in. It's weird down there, man. Hungry Jacks is wait, Burger you're King. A single, wait, this is written in for a single pizza hut. Then? <laughs> no, you never had that though. Like where you call like one. There's like a pizza hut line like that, like all of Canada. Like you call it, and then like it pings where you're calling from. And I basically, mean, I, like, I, I know that type of number, like for one eight hundred OK Cable and that type of thing. But I don't remember Pizza Hut having that. Yeah. Okay. I remember, like, like pretty much every, like, nationwide pizza chain in Canada that I recall growing up, they always had some kind of national number, and then you'd call it, and it would just sink you to whatever uh, local pizza office was nearest you. Oh, question. By the way, so is Pizza Pizza Little Caesars, or is it different and just happens to share the its name with the Little they're, Caesars they're completely They're completely different, and I can't remember how they switch it up, but in Canada, when you see a Little Caesars ad, the Caesar does not say Pizza Pizza. Does Little Caesars even exist anymore? Yeah, unfortunately. Really? Now I've never eaten it. I remember the first time I ever actually like saw like, oh, which oh it was Zillions, which was Consumer Reports uh, Kids Magazine, I believe, reviewing. Mm-hmm. It looked like the most awful thing in the world. Maybe we got to do a, a bad a bad uh, bad pizza episode at some point in time. Even the worst chain pizza though is still better than uh, school lunch pizza. Well, I had – I never had school lunch like elementary, middle school. But when I got to high school, I just had like a full cafeteria kind of deal. The pizza was the greasiest as hell, but I still loved it. I'd take it, I'd take it over Little Caesars or Papa John's. My, my greasy, tissue paper thin high school pizza would take it any day over Papa John's or Little Caesars. Oh, have I ever told the Papa John's – my weird Papa John's story on the show or just off air? I don't think ever to me personally, but can I quickly say that one, I hope it involves founder and CEO John Schnatter being drunk as he is wont to do. No, 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 no. And two, um, we might need, I mean, I don't know if he's ever been on video drunk, but I would like to work more Papa John's content into the show. So David Bixen's fan, what happened to you at Papa John's, baby? Well, it's not that me ha- having anything at Papa John's. Uh, my neighbors. Mm-hmm. Um, who are like weird mix of immigrants from the Philippines and maybe other places and maybe people who don't officially live there. Mm-hmm. Um, like they'll get mail for like all sorts of names that we don't recognize. Mm-hmm. Like it's kind of sketchy, especially like since we've had illegal boarding houses in the neighborhood before. Yeah. Um, 
they'll order for from Papa John's, even though the nearest one is about half an hour away. <laughs> and there's obviously plenty of other pizza being on Long Island. And yes. Where we are. Is... So, like, we'll regularly see a Papa John's drive up to deliver them their uh, beloved t- chain pizza. That's awful and sad, really. Yeah. I I don't understand why. I mean, Papa John's does at least try to approximate real pizza, right? Well, so they say. Real ingredients, real pizza, Papa John's. But I think their stuff is just positively ghoulish and terrible tasting. Some of the sweetest sauce, just, and I'm someone that loves, most of my diet is sugar. It's my biggest food group. Okay. Still still can't handle the Papa John sauce. Just just sweet enough to make me start doing like rolling my eyes around my head like a I don't well, even is know. It like Chef like Chef Boyardee sweet? Yeah, basically. That's a good that's a good comparison. That sounds terrible for people. Like Chef Boyardee like kinda has its own charm and its own like I <laughs> I'm sure if I like ate it now, I'd like pretty much want to throw up, but like as a kid, even like knowing what good like pasta and sauce tasted like, it still kinda like had its own like Je ne sais quoi. Yes. But that doesn't sound appealing on a pizza even as a small child. Chef Boyardee Beefaroni has more bodybuilding protein for lunch than most soups or sandwiches. And children love it. We're talking about bad food, but bad food that has that certain je ne sais quoi. That that extra, extra flavor. That thing you can't quite, goes beyond umami. You just never, never be able to put your finger on it. Hits your taste buds in a certain way. Donald Trump knows all about it. It's his favorite jam. It's McDonald's. And if you ever thought, man, I'd like to watch Donald Trump do a McDonald's ad, but do one where he talks to a giant, mute, fuzzy, anthropomorphic taste bud named Grimace. Wait, is that what Grimace is supposed to be? I thought that was what Grimace is supposed to be. What do you think Grimace was supposed to be? And again, supposed to be anything. What, What makes you think Grimace is a taste bud? I thought that was just a thing I heard once. Again, I'm, I know I've brought this up before. I have some kind of fracture in my brain that really undermines my ability to read certain kinds of like social like, or psycho psychovisual cues. And the example I always use is I was like 18 years old. I had seen it my entire life. And then one day I drove by a Shell gasoline station and it just clicked in my head. Wow. The Shell gasoline logo is a seashell. For whatever reason, in in my head, my whole life, I'd seen like it as a sunrise, even though it looks nothing like a sun. I disagree. Go to hell, Bix. But yeah, I thought it was a sunrise. I don't know. I'm like one of those people that 
like I, it, it took me it took me years before I could figure out how to do a magic eye properly. Um, when you ever get you get those double sided drawings where it's like, do you see the beautiful young woman or the evil old witch? I'm like, I just, I I don't see anything. So a lot of these things sometimes I don't read them properly, but I'm I'm about to Google Grimace McDonald's taste bud McDonald Land Grimace. Uh, McDonald's McDonald's has a wikia. Uh, of course it does. Yahoo Answers appears to suggest. What okay. is Grimace from McDonald's? According to a McDonald's wikia, Grimace is a character featured in McDonaldland commercials. He is a large purple anthropomorphic being of indeterminate species with short arms and legs. Indeterminate species? Really? This man's a taste bud. This is. This is. I'm not standing for this. Grimace is a taste bud. Uh, okay. Apparently, though, um, reading this Yahoo answer from eight years ago, it is cribbed from the McDonald Land Wikipedia page, but um, this version from eight years ago says Grimace is... (laughs) I'm sorry. Do you want to... I start typing is Grimace in the... into into Chrome... And what do you think the first result is? And do not try it. Um. Uh. Okay. Like, like I have lots of ideas, but I'm trying to think of something that would have broke you. Um. (laughs) Does it have anything to do with like putting an ethnicity on him or something like that? Um. Is. I don't know. Is it just like is Grimace dead? All right, just <laughs> I can't possibly imagine your reaction was so sudden that I was like, "Oh my god, what what happened?" I thought I thought you were going to say you found it funny that I was digging into the fact that the the McDonald Land Wikipedia entry had been art, uh, edited over the last few years because it originally said that Grimace is an anthropomorphic taste bud, but on the version posted on Yahoo Answers, it says citation needed, and it's clearly been removed and replaced with. Uh, anthropomorphic creature of unknown or indeterminate species. But David Bixenspan, if you put into Chrome, is Grimace, what do you get? Well, should I tell you? Or Well, I guess because it could possibly vary. Uh, what, do you, what do you think makes it? Do, would you, do you think you can compose yourself enough to tell me, or should I just put it in and react? Well, that's what I'm saying. If you put it in, are you definitely going to get the same one? Okay. Oh, I mean, we're... <laughs> It's gonna be it's gonna be really weird if I get something completely different, but also something that breaks me. Okay, so how about this? Okay, don't actually say what it is, but I'll judge by your response and then continue there. Okay, is grimace? Wait for it. <laughs> <laughs> I'm assuming it's the same one. Yes, is grimace autistic? Yes, that is also what I got. Holy shit, what? Is Grimace autistic? Also, also, I asked you, oh, is it an ethnicity? My second one is, is Grimace black? <laughs> Wait, no, 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 no. Wait, do you, is that not your second one? Okay, so it's, at first it's, is Grimace autistic? Then is Grimace, is Grimace a boy or girl? Is Grimace black? Is Grimace, <laughs> is Grimace a potato? <laughs> and then is Grimace a chicken nugget, which I feel like I've heard before. Is Grimace a chicken nugget? He's purple. Have you ever seen a chicken McNugget? I mean, yeah, it's not. I, I know. I Also, David Vixen's fan. Have I seen a chicken nugget? I 
I have a stockpile of McDonald's hot mustard. Oh yes, that's I've right. I've seen more than a fucking few. I actually know I know the proper names for like the shapes that they that they cut them into and stuff like that. Okay. Uh, um. So so what do you what do you think? By the way, it's the bell, the ball, the boot, and the bow are the four shapes of McDonald's chicken nuggets. Now you know. Take it from a fatty like me. Bix, are, are you – what do you think? Is is – did you laugh because you've always secretly suspected that Grimace is a black autistic potato? No. Like what, is Grimace black? Is Grimace a potato? What? Well, that, also, I should point out – varieties of tuber that have, that have purple skin. <laughs> Also, I should point out that underneath those ones for me is, is Grimace a taste bud? And the answer is fucking yes. Wait, is that in Chrome or is that in in Google, on Google.com? No, that was in Chrome. Okay, I didn't get his, Google, his Grimace. You know what, though? Because you probably had to search for his Grimace. Maybe, but is he is he's a taste bud. That is, that is yeah, all. Yeah, if I put it into Google.com, it's autistic boy or girl black potato. I mean, I don't, I don't want to turn this into a divisive subject, but Grimace is yeah, taste bud. I, I thought you were going somewhere else. <laughs> I mean, well, well, let's 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 eat Donald Trump with his friend Grimace. First. Hang on, hang on one sec. I'm, I just, I want to. I'm just, I'm getting deep into a Grimace hole. Okay, apparently, I'm reading a thing now that, according to at some point in time, McDonald Land promo material grimace is supposed to be a living embodiment of a milkshake okay i have heard that too yes now color wise that doesn't work shape wise it kind of does he's a fucking taste bud all right so there's a taste bud hanging out with donald trump let's get it an autistic taste <laughs> maybe a potato <laughs> maybe a chicken nugget or a milkshake apparently yeah well let's let's see i don't know how you do it I put together some really impressive deals, but this thing you've pulled off, it's amazing. A big and tasty for just a dollar? How do you do it? What's your secret? Got a buck? You're in luck, because you can get a delicious, beefy, big and tasty, a McChicken sandwich, and lots of your other favorites on McDonald's dollar menu every day. Together, Grimace, we could own this town. I like how... For the closing shot, which is the two of them from behind, arm and not arm, uh, it's very obviously not Donald Trump. No, it's it's a stand-in. It's a stand-in with the Why? weird hair. I, I don't know. <laughs> All right. I found a McDonald's commercial from 1981. I'm oh. going into this blind. It's – okay. Is this one even earlier? Okay, I have one called Early Grimace Commercial, but I have one called How I Met Grimace from 1981. So I'm going to start with How I Met Grimace here and uh, and th- throw it in. We're going to watch this. We're going to see if we can get any intel on where where the hell this man came from. Oops, that is not the correct link. All right, How I Met Grimace. This better be – this better give us some kind of conclusive answers. All right, adding it to the playlist, bumping it up a peg. All right, let's find out how Ronald McDonald met Grimace. 
Everything set for tonight, Mr. Trump. Oh, that's my bad. Yeah, get, get ahead of the game. I clicked on the right thing. I'm getting screwed here. How I Met Grimace. There we go. Presenting Ronald McDonald in How I Met Grimace. Yeah. Oh, yes. um, Come on. Well, oh my God, the fir- that gr- version of Grimace is horrifying. Yeah. Okay. Uh, how would you? Uh, I mean, you know what he actually looks like. If don't you're Canadian, say don't say it. No, I wasn't going to say whatever thing you were thinking of. Um, for those who grew up of a certain age in Canada and are familiar with the hilarious House of Frightenstein with Vincent Price and Billy Van, he looks like Grammar Slammer Bammer Hammer without hair. He also kind of looks like the eggplant emoji. Oh, he does. Which Although is a good for some way- reason, other than Grimace looking absolutely horrifying, this does not look like it's from 1981. No, it doesn't. It doesn't in the slightest, and so I'm skeptical. But Nonetheless, I want to find more about I find out more about how Ronald McDonald oh, met Grimace. Is it possible this is some stupid thing where it came out in a suit in a certain year, and then the person who uploaded it? Like, they say X years ago, and the person who uploaded it just then placed it in 1981 based on whatever they say in the commercial? Yeah, that's Let's possible. See. Presenting Ronald McDonald in How I Met Grimace. Yeah. Oh, yeah, tell us. Well, a long time ago, there I was, a little baby in my McBuggy, <laughs> when all of a sudden, uh, oh, oh, hello, lots to do, can't stop now. Hopper <laughs> McHamburgers, can't stop. I really thought Grimace couldn't stop, so off I went to save him. Frank, come on, little purple kid. Purple? If it's I mean, wait, unclear right it, now... Wait, this there, has to be from early early 80s at the latest because it's a minute long. Yeah. You're not going to have a minute long McDonald's commercial from more recently. Also, if it's not clear, Ronald McDonald is in a, a large four-wheeled bassinet. Yes, he is playing himself as a baby. So for those of us who always suspected that Ronald McDonald had a uh, adult baby fetish, now we know... And so he's just hanging out in a corner doing his adult baby thing. I expected you th- to enjoy that more. Oh, I mean, I'm I'm just chilled. Okay. Yeah, and then and then Grimace comes flying by in a runaway baby carriage as baby Grimace. Here we go. Uh, <laughs> I was just about to stop it. What happened, Cloud? What the fuck? <laughs> Oh my god, Baby Grimace is terrifying. What the fuck is this commercial? They just went in the water and then like on some James Bond shit, their their uh baby carriages turned into like submersibles or like quasi canoes and they ripped out oars and started paddling. Wait, let me go back a little and see the again. Wow. He went into the drain. The Rubby Dubby Dub, row, 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 and then he went over. Rubby Dubby Dub, row, row, okay. row. So I think Baby Grimace is going to be our show image this week. <laughs> <laughs> or maybe, or maybe just like adult Grimace and fake Donald Trump arm in arm looking out of Trump Tower. I know. I've, I've Can we just felt- start? <laughs> I know, I Even though he's a horrifying figure who deserves a nickname more like uh, homophobic bigot McFuckface, can can we just call Mike Pence Grimace from now on? I've ne- I I was never like scared that Grim that adult Grimace would eat me. I'm very scared that baby Grimace will. <laughs> ba- baby Grimace is positively horrifying, <laughs> dude. This commercial's only half over. Holy shit! Here we oh, go. <laughs> And uh, Baby Grimace is having a grand old time as he's going down the steps of the museum of, uh, which is the museum in Philadelphia? I don't know. Uh, uh, museum of Modern Art, Museum 
I don't know. Philadelphia Museum of Art. What the, what I was going to say, let's call it the Philadelphia Museum of Art and hope for the, the Philadelphia best. Philadelphia Museum of, of Rocky Balboa. <laughs> the steps. He's going down the steps. Yeah. And he's just going... What happened next, Donald? You know, I thought I'd never stop Grimace. Suddenly, I had an idea. I'll head him off at McDonald's. Grimace was headed right towards me when... McDonald's! Oh, boy! I'll stop from the one shape. Okay, wait, so Grimace has operable brakes. So he's <laughs> doing this intentionally <laughs> until R- Ronald uh, held up a bag of unidentified McDonald's consumables. <laughs> it's just McDonald's. He doesn't ever say what's in the bag. Yeah, yeah here, Grimace, I've just got some stuff in a bag. Cool. Hey. Hey, it's a McDonald's. Also, he sees baby Ronald McDonald and doesn't expect him to have any McDonald's with him. Surprise. Like, he's just like, oh, yeah, oh he, wait, so he, do- wait, they're both babies, but he doesn't know, but Ronald McDonald's already in association with McDonald's. Yeah, that's the other thing, too. Ronald clearly sizes his story up like, oh, back years ago. And clearly, he, he's already deep. He's died in the wool. The other crazy thing is. Why does Baby Grimace already have a taste for McDonald's? If he's a baby, why why are his why is his mom the chicken nugget and his dad the autistic taste bud? Why are they? Why are they f- with autistic milkshake? But sure, <laughs> his mom the autistic chicken flavored milkshake. Why why are they feeding him McDonald's? Like why is why is this kid in a bassinet like, oh, I got to break out and, and get to McDonald's super fast so I can get like 6,000 milligrams of sodium in my baby, my baby milkshake, chicken, potato, taste bud body. All right. Does anything else spooky happen in the last 10 seconds here? I don't know. Okay. There's so much fun for you today. And that's how I met Grimace, the friends forever. <laughs> Do friends forever. That's my jam right there. But I got I got another grimace one out. This one seems like it might be even older. Also, why why is why is nineteen eighty one grimace both in his adult and baby visages perpetually surprised? I mean, he just doesn't appear to have working eyelids or something. He's he's in a rough shape. So you're saying that that a grimace is a burn victim? <laughs> How dare you! How dare you? All right, let's see. Uh, no, actually, no. I should have said you're say, saying that Grimace is Mason Verger. <laughs> we'll examine another Grimace commercial and find out why his... I, uh... I already don't want to watch this now that I'm see- seeing it start with anthropomorphic hamburgers. With large googly eyes? And I'm not, ta- I'm not talking about, like, hamburger or... I mean, or, I mean, I mean Mayor McCheese or whoever. I'm talking about just individual hamburgers. Yeah. Let's, I guess we have to start, though. Yes, play it. Ready for a trip through McDonald's land. It was a gloomy day in McDonald's land. No Coke. No shakes. Okay, so I'm this is remember. vastly older than the 1980s one we just watched. This could yeah. be from the 60s. And also with them saying Coke, is this from a region where they would call all soda Coke? Or has McDonald's always been a Coca-Cola McDonald's has pretty much always been, I think, a Coca-Cola sort of co-op sort of deal. Also, you notice the Ronald McDonald clown makeup is very much more sad hobo clown actor well, applied I mean, to I himself. Think th- I th- thought I heard Willard Scott. So is this Willard Scott era Ronald yeah. McDonald? Yeah. 
Okay. So he, and I remember him being more sad hobo clown. The sad hobo clown version of Ronald McDonald's is much less terrifying than. Well, it also makes sense Ronald, as to Ronald why McDonald's. he would. It also makes sense as to why he'd hang out at McDonald's all the time, and why he'd have hang out with a friend named Grimace. So we're about to see Grimace. Uh, Grimace apparently has his own name on his post box here uh, outside. His he appears cave? to be exiting a cave. Wait, why do is I Grimace parents? <laughs> do I see multiple figures or just one Grimace? Let's find out. Because the evil Grimace had grabbed all the cups. Oh, I forgot he was originally. <laughs> he yeah. grabbed all the cups. This evil motherfucker Grimace. He grabbed all the cups. I thought you said he grabbed. I thought he said he grabbed all the cucks. <laughs> better, better than I guess he grabbed all the cunts. Well, I was gonna. Well, he is half black though, so of course he's gonna have a intimate relationship with cucks. Oh, jeez. Oh, oh, cheese. I guess it's the other way around. <laughs> You're going to hurt us here, David Bixon Spain. McDonald's is... This This. This must be why you don't eat McDonald's. It drives you insane. Is that actually racist? Or is that just making fun of uh, 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 people from red states? Excuse me. That have Well, I mean, this is, this is a, a podcast where the running joke is breaking the extra bow in your head, which is inherently a spin on an idiotic it's making bit of fun racial of, science. Uh, excuse me. Bio, uh, ethnic biodiversity. <laughs> so let it be said that uh, if you're ever worried that we're – it's entirely possible that we end up just being like sexist or stupid or awful. But let it be known if, if you think we're being if racist – We're making fun of people who are. Yes. Yes. Let, let it be known that if you think we're being racist, we're if really – you're not familiar with the reference, it is a reference to the people who think that. Yes. Yes. So uh, Willard Scott's hanging out with some kids and Grimace has stolen all the cups. There's only 43 seconds to resolve this. Let's find out what happens, David Bixon's man. Because the evil Grimace had grabbed all the cups. <laughs> Where's the Coke? Where are the shakes? <laughs> Where's the Coke? <laughs> it's actually John Taylor from Duran Duran. Uh, I'm not sure if I can make any other joke I want to make about this on the air. <laughs> Well, I mean, that's going on the soundboard, isn't it? <laughs> Where are the Coke? Where are the shakes? I got questions. Grimace has so many cups. What an asshole. I can't believe he took them all. What a dick. Where's the Coke? Where are the shakes, motherfucker? Make him say it. With the shakes! <laughs> <laughs> the, the, the way, the amount of flair and pizzazz he puts on shakes. Oh, it's too much for me to stand. All right, we're crossfading to terrifying Hobo Ronald here. Okay, yeah. Because the evil Grimace had grabbed all the cups. Where's the Coke? Where are the shakes? Also, the the frame that you have freezed on Ronald. (laughs) Jesus Christ. This is the scariest he looks in this. uh, Absolutely. Oh my god. Very nonplussed. (laughs) That's because Grimace has stolen every cup at McDonald's because he's a dick. 
And he also looks absolutely terrifying. He just looks like a huge turd. Well, the color's off, though. I think he is purple. We just can't tell. Uh, debatable. There's 32 seconds left of this. Holy oh, smokes. He described himself as a mailman. <laughs> what? Okay. Uh, big plot turn. Ronald McDonald has now disguised himself as a mailman. Now I know why Grimace yeah, had a mailbox outside. Water. Hold on. <laughs> so, you know, sometimes in a movie or a TV show, you get that early they, – they let you know in a very clever way that a device is going to come into play. And I mentioned right off the bat in this commercial, Grimace is a weird uh, milkshake potato – chicken nugget see in this era, i think he's just clearly supposed to be a like i think they're just fat shaming via grimace in this particular one yeah he just appears to be a fat clump of shit but he's stolen all the cups so this this just fat dick this fat turd creature in a cave who's has an idiot all... who doesn't know that empty cups don't have liquid in them <laughs> yeah he just thinks that you get cups and there's things in them which, I mean... <laughs> so, so in order to resolve this internal situation, Ronald McDonald has now decided to dress up as a mailman because Grimace has a mailbox for no particular reason outside his shit hovel. <laughs> Jesus, don't do that. You have to press play. No. A special delivery for E. Garibus. Ooh, ooh, oh my! Ah, I've been picked for the McDonaldland beauty contest. Grimace is fat enough that he has a very clear, divided front butt. Wait, wait, let's see this again. Here, just roll that back. Roll that back a few seconds. Look at that. Wow. Or is that like, or does he just have like tentacles for legs? Like what? What? <laughs> he looks, he looks like a combination of, like, like he looks like a combination of one literal dog shit and two, if you had taken a hunk of ground beef and told a six year old like, like make a little man out of it. He looks awful. They couldn't. They couldn't come up. Okay, we need we need a spooky little creature who steals all the cups in our commercial. Well, what if it looked like a combination of amorphous ground beef and kind of like a dog turd? You got it. We'll call it Grimace. We'll give him a fucking mailbox. What is this fucking commercial? <laughs> Jesus. All right. So Grimace has mail. Has discovered it, Liz. Taking his nicest swimsuit, what off he went. Contest discovered it, Liz. Discovered what? List. I, I, I really like when I get on e on mailing lists. <laughs> Grimace really is a complete idiot. I hate his guts. Taking his nicest. They must have gotten my get well Matilda card. <laughs> Grimace, Grimace just comes out of his he comes out of his cave with like a bunch of LJN wrestlers and WF magazine stacks. He just loves to get his junk mail. Ooh, oh, oh, I have so many friends in Boulder, Colorado. 
Grimace, Grimace is like a big infomercial dude too. He's just like bought everything from KTEL via like checking the mail, just up late at night. All right, ooh, what, what's ooh, he? Wee, what's razor and tie? What's he going into the cave to get? It's coke. <laughs> All right, let me see the last fifteen seconds of this piece de la resistance. Swimsuit, off he went. Now let's get these cups back to McDonald's so we can have some triple thick shakes on icy. No, wait, wait, you're bringing these scattered, used cups, probably soiled with the saliva of the Grimace. Yeah, whatever creature he is. And stacking them back up for human beings to consume milkshakes and Coca-Cola out of. (laughs) Ronald's not even worried about it. Just, let's steal these cups back. Do you remember when this large turd hamburger chicken nugget milkshake taste bud man who lives in a fucking cave like literally a rock front cave he lives in like a cave that like the gorn comes out of to attack james key kirk and that episode of the original star trek he's he's got these cups lined up and he's touching them with his weird like poop hamburger tentacle things and you're just gonna stack them all up and like oh triple thick milkshakes for the kitties what also now that we've seen the uh, flashback and we, we have the continuity straightened out a little bit, what what did uh, Ronald McDonald do to piss off his uh, childhood friend so much? Yeah, that's a good question. Did he steal his coke? <laughs> <laughs> that clip's going to come in so handy forever. Dur, dur, you... <laughs> 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 I'm laughing for you because you make my stupid joke. <laughs> okay, we have seven seconds. We have seven seconds left until the end of this godforsaken commercial. Play it, fine. Uh, I'm ready. I'm ready. Where's the contest? <laughs> <laughs> Coke, you cut this with math. I also like how his voice is like someone was like, okay, I know this probably like predates like the Muppet Show, but they were just like, all right, you know the Swedish chef voice? No, I don't because this is an anachronism. Dude, okay, that is your idea as a mentally disabled person, <laughs> dude is oh my god, this is like the worst. Oh my god, this is such a bad character. Okay, there's. <laughs> <laughs> hey, you know what sound Grimace made when he snorted the coke that Ronald McDonald gave him that was secretly meth? Let me hear it. Ah! <laughs> All right, I got one more. I got one more. I got one more Grimace commercial. But I don't feel like it's going to help in any way clear up anything about his past. <laughs> don't start but... it yet. No. Should we maybe take a Donald Trump chaser and then go back to Grimace? Hang on, we gotta. Let's, this is let this be the final chapter on Grimace. No, for I want to turn this into a Grimace show. <laughs> oh well, I mean, I think we, I think we could probably get. I, I think we've conclusively seen right now, Bix. Um, we could get a full McDonald Land effort. That's not. That's next week. That's called <laughs> sooner than next week, given how late the show came out. But that's our All next right. show. That's our. All next, right. That's Before... our next regular free show is McDonald Bef- Land. And Before McDonald's we get back to the uh, horrors of the orange man, one last horror with the purple man, woman, 
whatever. Ronald McDonald and friends in the Hamburgly Touch. Wait, what year is this? 1984. Oh, the year I was born. Okay. That Hamburglar. I don't remember Hamburglar sounding anything like that. I was about to say, Hamburglar sounds way more terrifying than I remember. And two, what is this Grimace update where he has... looks different every time we see him. Dude, he has duck lips. Like, dude, he looks like... Like, he looks like some kind of anime duck or something. Why does he have lips like that? Like, he's doing, like, the MySpace Insta lips. (laughs) Also, why does he have... He has eyebrows, but he has this really weird brow ridge on the top of his skull. Well, he's making he's making the the MySpace lips because he's most flattered by high angle photography. <laughs> Who's fat shaming now, David Bixon's fan? That's not, that's not what I'm saying. All right, hit play on this. I need to I need to learn what Hamburglar's up to with the, with all these sandwiches. Ronald, I was once a man. <laughs> Hamburglar of Cobra la la la. <laughs> Wishes everything he touches would turn to McDonald's cheese. Who is this awful 1984 Ronald McDonald too? No, well, let's let's find out the the history of Ronald McDonald's. Burgers. Mm. Hamburglar <laughs> is very much someone's like racist reimagining of gingers. He also, um, speaking of kind of gingery characters, he also basically has the same voice as the Noid from Domino's Pizza. Uh, one of the many mascots of uh, yes, of two scoops. Avoid him. Touch, rob a Don't touch Grimace. Oh, boy. Wait, why? <laughs> yeah, why is he not allowed to touch Grimace? What? How does that make any sense? <laughs> Touch my face! What? What? What just happened? What? This is actually a dream sequence where if you touch Grimace, you turn into a hamburger. Okay, so I'm gonna go back to see if we can understand this. Oh, he's touching things and turning them into hamburgers. Okay, now now I understand. Okay, watch. Okay, so. I'm going back for the beginning. Okay. Ronald McDonald and friends in the Hamburglar Touch. Jesus. That Hamburglar wishes everything he touches would turn to McDonald's cheeseburgers. All right, this was a dream. Okay, he touches a. Uh, is a, he touches a daisy and turns into a cheeseburger? <laughs> what uh, fruit tree is that supposed to be? Um, a peach or an apple or something in uh, reddish orangish sphere fruit. <laughs> that sounds like that's what McDon- if McDonald's made their own fruit. That's what <laughs> McDonald's reddish orangish sphere fruit smoothie. Fruit? No, reddish. No, no. McDonald's fruit flavored fruit. Also, by the way, you want a crazy pro wrestling connection? You know who I think that uh, Ron McDonald is. Oh. Because it's not Squire Friedel who goes on to become very shortly after this. I think this is one of the last appearances of King Moody as McDonald's. What do you do with pro wrestling? Well, name a famous Moody in pro wrestling as his kid. Paul, Paul, Paul Bear, Bear is Paul the son. Bear is the son. Yes. How did I not know this? That's why we do a show together, motherfucker. Ronald Wait. McDonald from, from Mobile? 
Mm, that's a thing. Hold on. Ronald McDonald Paul Bearer. King Moody, 1975 to 1984. How, I don't remember this coming up at all when he died, when when Bill Moody died. Well, maybe a lot of people don't want to be like, yo, my dad was Ronald McDonald for 10 years. Maybe they'd rather just be like, yo, he was on Get Smart. Or he was in The Man from Uncle, or he was in Bonanza. Or... I had no idea his dad was like this prolific TV actor. The more you know. Are, is, are we sure this isn't some like weird urban legend thing? Well, I mean, it it could be. You'd be the the one to know, but I've always heard it sized up that what if way. I type it in King wait, King Moody Mobile, Alabama. It's actually autocorrecting this for me. Uh, Burger King Menu Mobile, Moody, Alabama. No, this is finding me other things. Okay, we're gonna have to research this. Well, I mean, we can we can certainly do so. But in the meantime, I believe this is one of the last appearances of uh, King Moody as Ronald McDonald. Okay. Don't touch Grimace. Oh, no, no, no. He touched himself by mistake and turned himself into a cheeseburger. We're grown ass men and can't even figure out this McDonald's land commercial. Like it's not it's not boding well for the kitties. Looks like he found all the coke. Yeah, this Grimace's eyes are especially uh wow. Wow. So that was a horrifying diversion, but Ronald, should I smoke this or should I snort it? <laughs> just he like cooks it together with some weird shit he found in the McDonald's kitchen, puts it in the deep fryer. Birdie, birdie, do you want to walk after this? What is Jesus Christ? Wow, didn't see that coming. <laughs> when does Birdie get on the scene? Birdie's just, Birdie's just as bad as grimaces. In what sense? You know what she is. <laughs> what happened to Mayor McCheese? <laughs> Why does he just disappear? I don't know. I mean, the thing about the McDonald's like characters is that they're all so insane. And as we just saw, like, I mean, it, it, it almost makes you think it's a good idea they started promoting with Donald Trump in 2002. Donald, Donald, why aren't you going to stay for the whole commercial? <laughs> I, I have Coke. <laughs> <laughs> the doll just shows up. That's that's why Donald Trump was sniffing so repeatedly at the first few debates. He's just hanging out with Grimace beforehand, and not even and not even Mike Pence. <laughs> all right, I'm gonna say I'm gonna say all jokes aside, but Do we have it's anything it, left from Donald Trump. <laughs> yes. We have what we I do. think is yes, we do. I I saved what I thought was the best piece for last because I mean I showed you the pillowcase. We went through a bunch of fast food ads. You know, part of his whole commoner image is that he's the billionaire, but he eats at McDonald's like all the rest of us and, and just gives a shit. Taco bowls or Yeah. <laughs> yeah, he eats tacos in a bowl. What a dick. Also, I love how he's supposed no, to be it like was the taco bowl. It was the bowl made of the solid taco of this shell taco. Oh, right. But I also love, too, how like he's supposed to be like New York guy and like, hey, like I did two Pizza Hut ads. And he eats pizza with a fork and knife like a savage. 
Oh, do you now? Question though: Do you ever eat certain specialized pizzas with a knife and fork, though? Like if it's just like too unwieldy to eat by hand? Uh, not really. Like if it's like a really dense like vegetable pizza. Do you know who you're talking to? Really dense vegetable pizza. Damn, yeah, like, this is with tasty vegetables. Yeah, I like I like vegetables, but like I'm getting when pizza. I say dense, I mean it's gonna like weigh it down. That type of thing. Uh, no, I just I don't know. I just I just smash it in my face. I just I just make a fist and take the whole slice of pizza. I think that's the only thing I ever really did it with though was would be like with like where it's like weird, uneven, hard to hold type of thing. No, man, I mean like I'm eating Chicago deep dish with just like I'm I have it in my hand like a ball and just I just smash it into my face as hard as I can. That explains a lot. Yeah, it really does. My uh. That, yeah, I just basically – I just wad up the pizza into my fist and then punch myself in the mouth repeatedly. And then when the, pe- then when the pizza's all gone, the meal's done, I guess. Oh. <laughs> so, How, so How's your technique? Flawless. I'm, I'm positively toothless. You, can, you can't imagine how many slices of pizza I can get down now in a hurry. Okay. So regardless of whether or not he eats pizza with a fork and knife or goes to McDonald's all the time or – has weird quasi horny interactions over cheese rings in the crust of his pizza with his ex-wife. Donald Trump has another product even above well married the, to a second wife. Yes. <laughs> um, above and beyond the playgirl commemorative Donald pillowcase or any of this shit, even above and beyond him working his way into home alone two and, Multiple Whoopi Goldberg movies and Zoolander and Drew Carey show and Suddenly Susan and Sex in the City where he's friends with the guy who's old and trying to fuck King Cattrall. This to me stands out as one, a relic of the time. I forgot there's an episode where he's – that he's on trying to get with King Cattrall. I mean, dude, if you – I mean, this is the real shit. If you did a movie or a TV show about New York from 80 to 90, other than Seinfeld, Trump was in it. Was he ever on Friends? Let's find out. Donald Trump. Can you imagine, T- like, Sex in the City with Grimace and Donald – wait, who would uh, – Grimace, Donald Trump, who would be their other friends? <laughs> v- uh, Vince McMahon. And Dana White. <laughs> <laughs> the new McDonald land. Donald, what, what do I do when a girl wants to put her fingers in my ass? <laughs> and you thought all this time that all you could do was Ed Whalen, and it turns out you can do Grimace, too. I can do 1960s Grimace. Is that really? Did it, am I actually sounding like it? <laughs> Uh, I mean, enough to my satisfaction. Uh, it appears that Donald Trump never uh, appeared on Friends, but um, the single guy, Caroline in the City. Oh man, <laughs> Caroline in the City would definitely be the wrong demo for Donald, although not back then.
say gibbity clip hop what's up to them? Googly googly hip hop hoo, gibbity clip hop hoo-doo-doo. This beats familiar, I can't resist, but my ugly's ugly, my feet are blues. Ugly doodly, that's how we do, gibbity clip hop our howdy-doos. Ugly doodly hip hop I think talking about, even though we just laughed about Grimace and McDonaldland and all this dude's foibles, it goes back to what we're talking about. All of these these eccentricities coupled with his otherworldly awful behavior, they have long created a world where Donald Trump doesn't really walk amongst us. He just walks around just being glowing and famous. And so you get legitimate people who voting for this person is probably in their least interest and yet their answer is well have you seen him on tv i really like him on the apprentice this particular clip though to me gets across just everything it is so of the time we're talking about how the 80s crystallized this image for the donald this product itself as a concept is so of the 80s it very much foretells trump's desire to put his name on absolutely fucking anything and in light of him being the president the president elect of the united states of america something about the verbiage in these 30 seconds actually kind of wigs me out and makes me feel a little bit creepy so david bixon span you want to roll the dice on, on trump the board game well i have a question before you actually everything's set for tonight mr trump I wonder... everything's set though david bixon span what's your question is this a traditional board game or a VCR board game? I believe it is a traditional board game. The only thing that would make it more 1988-1989 would be if it was a VCR board game. However, the late great Phil Hartman does make a cameo in this commercial. Everything's set for tonight, Mr. Trump. I wonder what Trump's game is. That- Why is this echoing? I I don't know. This time, Trump's got a new game. You hear that, right? I don't hear. I'm just yeah, no, I hear it. So okay, so it's a weird. Video. Okay. Hey, Trump's got a new deal. What's your game, though? Heard about Trump's new deal? What? What? Trump has a new game. What is it? My new game is Trump, the game. Trump, the game where you deal for everything you've ever wanted to own. Because it's not whether you win or lose, it's whether you win. Yes! Play Trump, the game from Milton Bradley. I think you'll like it. The actual most... Did I win? I did. Oh, wait, this started over again. The actual most horrifying part of that ad is that the box is designed to be a near-exact duplicate of the cover of The Art of the Deal. Yes, exactly. So it's it's going after adults that are really into books about making business deals? Like, is is this... I assume this is not targeted towards kids. I guess adults are still theoretically playing board games on their own in 1989? Maybe? 1988, 1989, maybe you really got some snot-nosed Reaganite kids that are like 10 years old and wearing bow ties and they've already read or thumbed through your copy of The Art of the Deal and they really want Trump the board game for Christmas. Okay. I mean, are you denying these people exist? I mean, if, if, if today, if what what game would 10-year-old Baron Trump want to play today? Certainly no kind of video game or something exciting. Um, What do you mean? Like, 
Baron Trump now or Baron Trump if he was alive at this age in 1989? <laughs> I mean, dude, the answer is fucking either. Super Mario 2 came out in 1988. Metroid came, Metroid's already out. Comes out like Mega Man 2 is out. RBI Baseball's out. RC Pro-Am's out. When does MC Kids come out featuring the Grinch? <laughs> I believe that's like 1990. It's a bit later in the, the the lifespan. But like Contra comes out in 88, I think. You know, like this is there's there's no there's no era where anyone Castlevania comes out for Christ's sakes. There's no reason for anyone to be playing Trump the board game. Also, it appears to be an incredibly simplistic board game, which is obviously not at all surprising, but. There's there's something just about the way he looks so dead-eyed into the camera at the end and says that he knows we'll like it. It just reminds me of all of his stumping and campaigning. This is the most amazing board game. Yeah, just this is an amazing board game. It's made by great people trying Actually, to do wait, great Wait, what company is this one? Trump, the board game. I wonder if there's like a board game wiki. Oh, there has to be. Hold on. Apparently, you can uh, buy it secondhand off Amazon. Ooh, discontinued by manufacturer. That's always Margaret. ominous when it actually says that on the Amazon listing. Oh, this is oh, so this must have been remade for a while though, though, because we just had this is a different packaging. It's Parker. Yes, yes. There's there's an update with a much more recent picture of Donald Trump called "I'm Back and You're Fired." Trump the game made by Hasbro and Parker Brothers. This appears to have been made around the. Uh, the Apprentice taking off, but I'm the original at a different. Oh no, this is we are looking at the same one. Okay, the original one though doesn't appear to say. It's not whether you win or lose, Bix. It's whether you win. Donald, I'm not comfortable with winning the game by selling subprime mortgages. <laughs> <laughs> Apparently, Milton Bradley was uh, the original maker. Uh, Parker Brothers declined an offer to produce the game. And then they took it over at some point? <laughs> oh, my God. Okay. I'm, you know, I know some academic out there will say, like, oh, Wikipedia is not a source. These things are cited well enough um, based on a variety of linked magazine articles and links to Los Angeles times and the Chicago tribune that I feel good about this. Also, you can get the original from various Amazon sellers. There's one, there's one fulfilled by Amazon on prime. How much do you think it costs to get the one that's on prime? Oh, okay. Is this the original, original, the original, original on prime? I'm going to say like one fifty or something. The low, low price of one fourteen nine. Oh, no, there were a few, so I don't know why it was showing that one first. Was that one in new condition then, I guess, maybe? Okay, maybe. There, there are some for less. Okay. There's a very good for $72.99. But, yes, tinyurl.com slash Amazon. Uh, I kind of want to – well, we can't really play this long distance, and then we'd have to have – I don't know. We can – dude, people play chess via mail. We can figure this shit out. Yes, and those people are awful. Yeah, what are we? Have you listened to what we've been doing for the last – little bit have you even heard your grimace voice what what kind of benevolent great kind soul do you think you are never mind a ghoul like me this is this is the game that we're made for also i don't care if i win or lose i want to win from the trump the game wiki entry and again 
We oh. also have want to know how Donald Trump views the world. Try playing his 80s board game on Washington Post. <laughs> and also a video where we ask board game enthusiasts to play Trump the game. Okay, well, let's play that in a second. What were you going to say about Wikipedia? Okay, this is literally the opening paragraph of the history section of Trump the game. Donald Trump received offers from four toy companies that were interested in releasing a Trump-branded game. Trump chose Milton Bradley Company, which he called the Rolls-Royce of game companies. Parker Brothers declined an offer to produce the game. Here we go. Jeffrey Breslow pitched the game to Trump in his office at Trump Tower in New York. As Breslow explained the concept, Trump interrupted him to say, I like it. What's next? After negotiations, Trump the game was unveiled during an event on February 7th, 1989. It's literally the way you'd imagine. This guy comes in with a board game, and it's basically just like fucking – it's just like Candyland with you know Donald Trump's face on it. And he just goes, all right, it's got my face on it. I see the fish lips. I like it. What's next? It's exactly the kind of transaction that you would imagine. Holy shit. All right. David Bixenspan, what are you taking us home with? Um, I guess should we look, should I try to read a section of the article first, or should we just go straight to the video of ga- board game enthusiasts trying to play it? Ooh, get me get me hot and bothered with that Wapo article. I'm not reading the whole thing. No, uh, I mean, where should I skip to? Okay, let's see at the beginning then. Uh, 1988, shortly after Donald Trump published his first book, The Art of the Deal. Jeffrey Breslow found himself in Trump Tower in the mogul's office setting up a board game and inviting the billionaire to play. Okay. Oh, it looks like this might be the source for the Wikipedia thing then. Uh, Breslow for decades, one of the nation's leading gaming lead, nation's leading game inventors. Excuse me, uh, was prepared to get down on the floor and pit his strategic wiles against the guy whose picture is on the box of Trump the game, a Monopoly-inspired race to get very rich very fast. Uh, Breslow started to explain this prototype of the game he wanted to endorse, but Trump cut him off. I like it. What's next? Blah, 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 blah. Nearly three decades later, Trump, the game is a collector's item. It's a tempting purchase on eBay, whose friends wouldn't be impressed. Okay. Uh, but would the game provide any insight into how the Republican presidential frontrunner operates? No, because he didn't have anything to do with its creation. (laughs) You just said that. (laughs) Fuck off. Okay. Should we just go to the video then? This article is clearly pointless. Let me quickly say that as we're about to um, as we're about to embark on or board game people sizing up whether or not this is a good board game or not, boardgamegeek.com has a weight rating out of five. It's basically a complexity rating. Um, the complexity rating of Trump the game, 1.73 out of five. It ain't exactly Settlers of Catan. What the hell is Settlers of Catan? Oh, boy. You're in for it from the nerd posse now, Bix. Uh, okay. Let's let's hear from these people playing the game at Labyrinth Games and Puzzles in Washington, D.C. Let us. Playing Trump the board game. Oh, God. <laughs> look, our money could look like this one day. In gamer terminology, it is a roll and move game with some bidding in it. Oh, look at this. $50 million for you. They are playing the remade version, by the way. In gamers' terms, it's called a roll and move with some bidding. Oh, for fuck's sakes. I love this already. But it was very much like Monopoly, which doesn't have a very good reputation among gamers. Shovel the cart. Oh! Look, look who's in the board game. Look who's too cool for Monopoly. Well, actually, it's a lot of luck if you really think about it. Fuck you, lady. 
What other board game is so awesome and strong that can kill you if you fall on one of the pieces? <laughs> I don't know. Maybe Trump the board game. We don't know what it's got for pieces. I don't know if I don't know if there can be anything as deadly as the Monopoly pieces, though. I, I think you're you're overselling Trump the game. Okay. I mean, what? I don't I don't know I don't know if I don't know if I'm overselling Trump the game. I'm just saying that like it seems like the kind of game you could die playing. Okay. Let's let's move on. Deck and deal seven trump cards face down to each player. Each of us would take turns, and at the start of your turn, you draw a trump card. Each card will come at the bottom. Okay, the guy on screen right now. He is wearing a bow tie. Um, a patterned sweater of some kind. <laughs> um, there is probably a certain group that would call him a cuck. What? No, nothing. I'm just I'm 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 agreeing with your assertion. I'm I'm letting you paint the picture with words. Well, good. Okay. Okay, this is this is Teddy Woodhouse. Oh, not at all the kind of guy you'd expect to be weighing in and being the arbiter of what's a good board game and what's not. Bottom with a Trump tip in uh, it's like a nice gold overlay. The Trump tips on the bottom of the card. It's like <laughs> I would play this right away, so it's not stolen from me. And the big by the Jews. <laughs> The people in this do really seem loathsome. Yes. Also, you better use this before it's stolen from you. Like, well, I mean, we did just get on Amazon. We, I mean, you can't you can't get a hundred dollar bill for this thing nowadays. Hmm. Well, no, you can ask for a hundred dollar bill. <laughs> you can feasibly get a hundred dollar bill for it. Maybe there's a reason to steal it. Part of the game is like no, it's one. It's the card though. You don't want the card to be stolen after you draw the Trump Trump tip. <laughs> the Trump tips. That's what you need. Get into the state game. Just the Trump tip. <laughs> well, I mean, surely, surely that's not how he's created so many children. Very obviously in his own image. Whenever you'd land on something, everyone will start bidding on that property. So this is 90 plus 60. In the bidding process, there are your fire cards, uh, black with very bold. Okay, clearly these were not in the original then. No, this is clearly the, the Apprentice update version. I mean, it's clearly the update version, but it has stuff that's not in the original is what I'm saying. Yes. It's not just superficial changes. No, i.e. you fired. Red letters. God. Okay, you're fired a third ah. time. <laughs> and then there's also the Donald card. And the Donald card brings you back into the bidding after you've been fired. I'd say it's... A that sounds uh, um, perfectly erratic. Sounds perfectly Donald. Yeah, that's what I'm saying. It's like, oh, oh. <laughs> you're fired. Actually, wait. Maybe that's what awaits his cabinet staffs more awesome game for like its box and cover like i would want to kind of like put that up than actually taking it open and playing it <laughs> oh fuck you <laughs> the board game donks really are the worst Can i show you i would have loved right now let me take yes. a screen grab yes talk while i do this 
I would I would love, by the way, Bix, for uh, some modern video game or excuse me, some modern board game nerds like this to take you to task for not even just not having played, but not even being aware of what Settlers of Catan is. You're the nerd contingent's definitely going to put some lumps on you for that one. Okay, you know what? I don't care. I don't care what this caption says or the regulars at Labyrinth Games and Puzzles on Capitol Hill. <laughs> Well, I mean, based on the way they're dressed, maybe you should. These seem like some very highfalutin and important people. They're probably political bloggers. Oh, they absolutely seem like the kind of like this is this is like their crazy kink. This but is their like night paid, out. But, like, but not like paid political bloggers. People that do like a user blog on Daily Cost. <laughs> you know, this really they they just really got to share with the, what they have to say with the world when they're not uh, deciding whether or not Stratego is better than battleship or whatever the hell it obviously is look at the condescending joy on that man's face all right let me look at this man's freakish grill as he presumably makes fun of donald trump's board game picture is loading <laughs> that's that's the face of someone that that couldn't have imagined couldn't have imagined a world where this guy could become president that's that's what that face is Huh, like Donald Trump, what an idiotic asshole! <laughs> Am I right? I'm with her. Yeah, now you're in a fucking storage closet with a bunch of Rubik's cubes and stuff for the rest of your life, you freak. Because that's a hilarious cover. Oh fuck! <laughs> so I get seventy million dollars. What? I wish Lucky there was some seven. flavor to what actually is happening there. Like you just take seventy million from the bank. The whole like Trump is this. <laughs> eh, you just take 70 million from the bank nothing like that would ever happen in real life <laughs> at all we still got like a minute of this left Trump is 10 million dollars and Trump is this like I feel like someone who would make this game is not in touch with reality I mean the f- he didn't make the fucking game you're the board game geeks you didn't do the research you're you're for a feat you're there for a feature on an article that explains this and no one yep. tells you that he's not involved with the game? You're the game geek, yep. and you didn't look up whether or not he's involved with the creation of the game? This is why Donald couldn't be stopped. Glib idiots like this. Oh, jeez. The fact that every available space has his name on it is a little bit ridiculous. I also I mean, sort of wonder, like, are we moving around a roulette table right now? Like, what is this? <laughs> yeah, what? A roulette table? Have these people ever done anything except play board games? You would think, like, is this some kind of like freakish science experiment where they just all these people were raised? Like, they're called it's called labyrinth because they were literally stuck in a fucking maze as children, and they were just all their human interactions were with each other and playing board games. Honestly, though, wouldn't a board game geek at least have an idea what a roulette wheel is? You'd hope and you'd think. But here we are, Bix. (laughs) Why is he laughing? Why was he laughing so uproariously at the idea that it looked like a roulette roulette table in the first place? I don't. I don't know. It's because Donald Trump, man, he has funny hair. Comes with a very personalized letter signed by Donald himself. Now that you are about to play my game, I invite you to live the fantasy, feel the power, and make deals. And remember, it takes brains to make millions. It takes Trump to make billions. Wait, Trump.
Wow. That was not what I expected. Was it? I mean, was it what you expected? No, I didn't expect this weird perfect symmetry where a bunch of simpering, idiotic white people in two smart glasses sit around and yuck, yuck, yuck about how Donald Trump's an idiot and doesn't know what he's doing all while he's making millions off of him and ascends to a higher level of power. I couldn't have imagined that just looking at a WAPO feature about an update of his stupid board game from a quarter century ago, I couldn't have possibly, possibly guessed that it somehow would be this perfect metaphor for exactly how he got to be the president-elect. Yeah, it kind of was. So yeah, just just a bunch yeah. of a bunch of sneering, simpering, too smarter than thou. Oh, like his hair's dumb. What an idiot! Look, do you know why these board games exist? Because there's tons of people out there that see this dude's face and just go, "Yeah, he's successful. I'll buy his shirt." I'll buy his pillowcase. I'll, I'll go buy his pillowcase from the 1990 Playgirl contest on eBay, and I'll pay the oh, buy it now make price me look right now to see if it's there. Oh God! I imagine if you look up Donald Trump pillowcase now, though, you're just going to get Donald Trump pillowcases in general. But no, I think I think in a way there's a reason I wanted to go out on the board game and Bix. You doubled down by finding people making fun of the board game in a way that gets exactly to the heart of what we're talking about in this podcast and what's so terrifying about it. You know, I'm not going to ever stop watching TV and consuming popular media for the off chance that a real life person could use film and television and commercials and like physical, tangible products as a leverage point to create a larger than life demagogic character. But even if I don't turn my TV set off, even if I have to be exposed to it, I will never let myself be reduced to this just callow, blind, intellectually disingenuous, laughing idiot in a stockroom full of Rubik's Cubes talking about what a buffoon Donald Trump is. Ooh, this issue of Playgirl on eBay has gorgeous guys of Canada, Jordan. Well, it's 1990. I was in rare form. Like we said, we know we can't make you turn off your TVs. It would be against the two scoops ethos. So just remind you, lobby, it's down the hall. It's to the left. Never eat the crust on your stuffed crust pizza. You just don't know what horrors might ooze out. After all, this world is full of cold hearts, cold enough to eat yours like hors d'oeuvres. Peace.
welfare state. Let the poor drink the milk while the rich eat the honey. Let the bugs count their blessings while they count the money. Never be explained. While the bank is getting sweaty. 